This is Michael from the RPG Academy, and you are listening to Dungeon Master's Block. Welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And we're really excited for today. We are on our third episode of the Creation and Inspiration series. One of our favorites, Chris. Yeah, I would say that's one of our favorites and one of many of the people in our community's favorites yeah. as well. Oh yeah, definitely. And today, we have an even more exciting surprise Better than normal. Guys. Yeah, better than normal. We are going to be joined by... Of course, by... I don't know what our normal is, because we've only done two. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to be joined by Michael from the RPG Academy. And, and I know some of you have listened to him yeah. before and like him, and so it's it's going to be a... It's gonna be a lot of fun. And we're gonna be doing his synergy, his magic form of creating stories. Basically, you take cards from a pack and you create a story with him, and we will jump in with him. He teaches us how to do it. And I wanna encourage you as we're doing it, as you're listening, uh, really pay attention to how each of us do it differently, because I think that was one of the coolest things for me going back and editing this episode is uh, he will focus a lot on um, the mechanics of the cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I focused really heavily on the illustrations, and Chris, you brought it even home by going, "Hey, I'm not just going to make one story with this, but I'm going to make three stories." Yeah. So yeah, uh, focus just depending on, that. on like cards, I was like, "These ones don't work together real well. I'll just make three totally yeah. different stories." And don't worry, we have the best part of the episode. Top tens are coming up, and even Michael has one. So instead of your regular twenty from. 10 from me, 10 from Chris. You have 30 yep. new ideas for campaigns this time. We're really excited. There's a lot of good ones. Hopefully you guys will enjoy. Before we get to the episode though, shout outs. Let's do some shout outs. Chris, you want to go first? All right. The first one is from Lufgar. He writes, amazing podcast, five stars. He says, this podcast is awesome. As a new DM, it's very helpful to hear all of the stuff these guys have to offer. Thanks guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks yeah. Lufgar. Thanks, we really Lufgar. appreciate it. The next shout-out comes from Across the Pond from the UK, another five-star. This one is entitled, This Show is Rolling That Crit 20 Every Episode, and it's from Andy Fig. I wish I could do an English accent here so I could make this more realistic, but I can't. Uh, so <laughs> it'll just turn into an Irish accent. Uh, Andy Fig says, Even though I have only just started playing D&D and only as a player, this podcast is brilliant. Even though the content is aimed towards the DM, I feel that I've learned so much about the game as a player and really want to try and use what I've learned as a player. This is the only D&D podcast I listen to, and I feel it's the only one I will ever need. Uh, The two presenters have great knowledge of the game, and this really helps the show. My favorite part of the show has to be story time. I love hearing about their own campaigns. Also love the jingles used. <laughs> uh, I think a good thing would actually, I think a good thing for you guys to do would to be a live recording of one of your games. That would be brilliant to hear. Thanks for doing the podcast, guys. Andy. Uh, thank you so much, Andy. All yeah, the way from the UK. Much. We like hearing from our listeners outside of the US. It's pretty pretty sweet to yep. know that we're uh, 
We've invaded England. Plant that Dungeon Master's Wild flag. We are the D&D Beatles. In the <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, gosh. All right, well, welcome to the block party, Andy, and thank you so much. We have thought about doing some live recordings of games. We've talked about that in the past. Uh, we're still thinking about it, how we want to present that. It won't be on a normal basis, but... Uh, possibly some bonus pods. So yeah, we have to come up with a, a method to our madness. Before yeah, we jump yep, into exactly. It. But uh, we're we're glad that you really love story time. Uh, we do as well, and our jingles used. Unfortunately, and you might be sad to hear this, Andy. But this week we have no story time for you, as this episode is a rather long one. We want to encourage you guys to be excited about this interview coming up. We're excited. Chris, you ready to get into? I'm the ready meet? to get into it. All right, let's get into it. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Carving that! Fist the mouthful! No! Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! Alright, so this week for the meat of the episode, we are joined by Michael from the RPG Academy. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you guys very much for having me. Yeah, good to good yep. to have you on awesome. here. And uh, Michael is joining us this week for our creation and inspiration episode. He's going to be explaining how he does his magic synergy uh, episodes. If you've ever listened to those, we'll we'll give you some links in the show notes. You can go and listen to a few of those, get some ideas from them. Uh, but we're going to be going through a little bit of of how he does that. We I think we each have a pack, correct? You have one, Mitch. Uh, we I have do, one. Yep. If we get um, to both of them, we'll yep, get to both. If we of get them, to both but... of them and. <laughs> And uh, we're just gonna we're gonna play off of each other, create stories out of those, and, and just get a taste of how how Michael and the gang have have done that over at the RPG Academy. And so, uh, Michael, as we as we start, um, you've been doing the RPG Academy for how long now? How many how many episodes? How many years have you done? Uh, it's about two and a half years total. Though we were the D and D Academy for about half of that, and then we realized that we were we were including more role playing games. So we made a switch. So I think we've been the RPG Academy for about a year, but we've been doing the podcast for about two and a half. What What made you get started doing the RPG Academy exactly? Well, originally my uh, co-host was a, a friend of mine named Evan, and he and I had, had role-played together a little bit, and then he sort of fell out. And then just out of the blue one day, he called me. He's like, hey, I think I want to play D&D again, but I, I actually would want to run the game. I want to tell a story. So I kind of created a safe space in, in my table with my group to let him run, and, and I sort of was going to teach him, you know, my method of being a DM and allow him to, to run at my table and give him feedback and, and critique. And uh, in preparation for him doing that, he started listening to a bunch of podcasts to get ideas and inspiration. And he has a, a musician's background, so he had a lot of equipment, and he's already very comfortable with that. So he's just like, hey, why don't we just podcast what we're oh, doing? Sure. So it was totally his idea. But I'm a bit of an OCD freak anyway, so it wasn't long before I completely took over the entire process, and I do all the editing, and I've made all the decisions, <laughs> and uh, it kind of evolved from that. And sure. he actually has now left uh, the podcast. We're still friends. It wasn't a, it was an amicable uh, separation, but he had uh, life got in the way. He got married and had oh, a kid. Oh, okay, good. Um, yeah, yeah, so we're still good. good. But uh, now I have sure. a, a newer co-host. He was actually a guy who we had met through Twitter and was just a, a listener to the podcast, and he shared some ideas. And so now I have Caleb as my co-host and he's been pretty regular for probably about a year now or so. Cool. So right around the time that you guys changed over to the RPG Academy, he decided to come on then? Yeah, I think he was around for just two or three episodes, and then that's when we did that. So pretty much the whole time we've been the RPG Academy, it's been Caleb and I. And 
a lot of the people who listen to us now only know Caleb and I. I don't know if they must not have gone back that far to the Evan episodes. Sure. For people who listen to our podcast and maybe haven't heard of your podcast, if they go right now onto iTunes or your website or wherever and listen to your podcast, what can they expect to hear on your pod? So the, the sort of the idea behind our podcast, especially now, is we kind of see ourselves as doing like introductory advice. There are a lot of podcasts out there that give like high level mastery, like, you know, this is how you take your game from a 10 to an 11. We're more aimed at the guy who's never ran or the girl who's never ran before. And we want to kind of demystify what a, what a DM does and what role-playing games are. Because I still have people in my everyday life, if I share with them, I, I play role-playing games, they don't know what that is. They don't know what that means. So we want to just kind of demystify it and just explain that it's just a bunch of people sitting around a table telling stories, having fun. So we kind of go at it a couple different ways. We have our actual plays, so you can listen to how our games go. And we have a bunch of different series, uh, you know, some in D&D 5th Edition, 13th Age. We have a Savage World Trial. We've done some Fate, some Fae. So you can get a kind of a, a taste of a bunch of different role-playing games. And then we also have Table Topics which again, they used to be called Dungeon Talk the old times. And those are just the general advice where we will talk about a topic. Um, how do you run a combat? How do you do skill checks? Um, how do you handle problem players? And a lot of times it's just whatever happened in our game recently. Like we did this and we thought it was great. Let's share. We did this and I felt like I, I did a bad job as a DM. How do I analyze that and make it better for next time? And then uh, we also have a couple of my favorite episodes, if you have listened to them, are the show and tell episodes. Um, they're probably adult only, uh, but we watched the Dungeons and Dragons movies uh. and we kind of talk about them and riff on them and, uh, blast them. <laughs> they're very, very funny, but they're adult language. Sure. So please sure. be warned if you want to check those uh, out. Disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> was the first actual play podcast that you guys did, was that the Made Men campaigns? Yes. Made Men. We, we started, um, with the D and D next play test. Like it wasn't intentional necessarily, but we started our podcast right as the next playtest um, launched. So it just kind of made sense for us to do that. So the Made Men is during the playtest packet. And if you listen to those, uh, things change. Like one character might be a barbarian one episode and there's something else in the other because of a packet update. Uh, we also had some audio issues on those, and I do apologize uh, if anybody wants to go back and listen. I think the story is really good. I'm really, really happy with the story. But we were still figuring out the record five people, rolling the dice. There's a couple of those episodes that are really, really rough. I listened to those for a while. I got really actually hooked onto them because I I like actual play podcasts, and this is not to insult any pods out there, and that's why I won't say any names, but they're there's a lot that are pretty unbearable. And for you to say, oh, our sound was pretty off. Well, I, I've heard some pretty awful ones, like as far as sound, like people go out and play in a pub or something. And it's like, you can't even tell what's going on. <laughs> the sound issues, totally, I was able to get past them. I, I was really, I really enjoyed those back in the day. And I got a lot of inspiration and creation ideas from those campaigns. They were really, really good. I would say to go back and what what was your friend's name? Nico, is that was who played the big, strong Hulk kind of character? Oh, Nico. Hilarious. Like, just <laughs> yeah, so fan favorite. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was alone worth the listen. So I would encourage listeners, if you like actual play pods, go back. <laughs> well, I, I do. I really appreciate you guys saying that. Uh, Nico, unfortunately, again, life got in the way, and he moved uh, to yeah. be with his family. But I've tried really hard to get him, because we now run online a, a couple of campaigns. I'm trying to get him in one of those and it hasn't happened yet mm -hmm. fingers crossed that we will hear nico again on my podcast if i have 
If I have that power, it will happen. That'd be great. <laughs> Bring back his barbarian character. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, I'm assuming you, you began your days in RPG as a player. How was it that you eventually said, all right, I'm going to try out being on the other side of that DM screen? What Tell us that story. So I'm sort of the prototypical DM. I, I DM 90% of the time. And um, if until the podcast, I would say was closer to 95. But now that I've got the podcast going, I've had other people running games and I get to be a player. But uh, until then, I've pretty much always been the DM. And uh, I've been DMing, I think, longer than either of you have been alive. Um, <laughs> I started when I was 12, which as best I can tell was uh, right around 28 years ago. And um, my best friend at the time, which he's Tell my best friend now. We uh, we went to a local bookstore, and again, I'm from rural Kentucky. If the accent hasn't already given that away, and uh, the, the closest bookstore is like 30 miles away, we went up there, and my friend's like, "I want to buy Dungeons and Dragons," and I did. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, "Okay," uh, but I was always into like fantasy stories and that kind of thing. Uh, so I was like, "Sure." So he and I went halvesies, and we bought the Mincer Red Box, sure. uh, which I'll say I still have that red box today. It's 28 years old. And uh, we got in the back of the car. His mom drove us there and we got in the back of the car and we, we opened it and he took the player's book and I took the DM book and we just started reading it. And I've been the DM ever since. Awesome. That's really cool. Any right. other things you want to talk about before we jump into Synergy? No, just again, uh, you know, check out the website. I know you guys are going to put links in there. Um, we do a lot of the same things on our show that you guys are doing, the, the creation, the inspiration. We just want to get, we want more people to play our games and we want them to feel more comfortable doing it. And uh, I think we do a pretty good job at that. So uh, hopefully some of my audience will come your way and some of your audience will come my way and we'll all be happier. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, I guess let's let, let's end it with this. Uh, if you had one thing just to one snippet of wisdom, one nugget of wisdom to give to a new DM, an old DM, whatever it is out there, give us one snippet of wisdom. Uh, the biggest thing, and we say it on our podcast all the time, the, the point of getting together and role-playing is to have fun. And whatever you do that, that you have fun, then you're doing it right. If you ignore rules, if you make up rules, if you play your own game, if you all start off as 30th level dragons with three wish rings and vorpal swords, if you're <laughs> having fun doing that, then you're playing the game right. Don't worry about what anyone else says about should you min-max or should you be immersive, should you use accents. Who cares? If you're having fun, then you're doing it right. Exactly. That's good advice. That's a really good snippet of wisdom. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to move on, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, – Michael's going to talk about this thing called synergy in which – well, Michael, you explained it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, Evan and I so – this started way back in the day with the D&D Academy. Uh, we were talking about different ways that we get inspired and can create stories. And he and I both played Magic the Gathering together as one of our other hobbies that we did. And I just sort of got the idea of I could take a pack of cards, open it, and then basically use those cards to create a story. And uh, so we tried it one time. We called it Synergy because we we're combining Magic and D&D &D together. And we got a lot of really positive feedback on the website about it. Uh, you know, people really seem to enjoy it. So we've done, I don't know, half a dozen of them now. And there is an actual play, uh, if you guys are interested or your audience, it's called City of the Damned, which is completely, I, I wrote it based off of a synergy. We actually recorded it. And then after the fact, I do a breakdown of explaining how the cards were used. So it's a very good example of how it works. Um, so all I'll do is take a pack of Magic the Card. And if, you, you know, if you're a Magic player, you probably got a thousand cards sitting around. You wouldn't even have to buy anymore if you just want to 
randomly pull four or five cards. Yeah, just laying around. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, you kind of use them like tarot cards in a way. You um, you can use the imagery. You can use the name. You can use the, the flavor text. You can use the mechanics that are presented on that card. Whatever inspires you, and you try to create a game. On our episodes, we've always done it where we'll kind of edit out the the creation process and we just kind of come with a finished product. So for today, I was just going to kind of open a pack here and just sort of walk through a little bit of, about how it would work. Personally, you can do this with any any cards. I like to use Core, which I know isn't going to be around much longer. I think this is the last time there's going to be a Core set because you get more generic cards and they're easier to use. If you use a themed set, you're kind of forced into that and it may make it a little bit more narrow but if there's a theme that you like better then that might work so uh, i will crack my pack here uh, i always like to go to the rare last just because i'm also a magic addict so we got themes okay <laughs> we got always themes. Take we're gonna we're gonna open up our cards as we as you uh open up yours so <laughs> okay not a problem So what I like to do uh, when I do this on my own is I, I'll look at the cards in order, one at a time, and I usually will jot down uh, what my first initial thought is. How am I going to use this card? And uh, and a lot of times I'll go back and revisit it, and it might change, it might evolve, but I, I'll, I really do stick to that first impression a lot. Again, I know you guys can't see the cards. Your listeners won't be able to see the cards, but uh, you know they'll be available if you want to look them up online. But my first card is a Razorfoot Griffin. And it's basically a flying creature that attacks. One of his powers is first strike. So my thought here is uh, almost sort of like a Pearl Harbor, that there is a, a, a first strike attack from one nation or one group to another from the air. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a griffin, but there's an unexpected uh, initial attack out of the blue that starts off some sort of large conflict. So it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, griffins sure. at all. Uh, my second card is a Titanic Growth. If you play Magic a lot, you know basically it's a it's a buff where you you get plus four plus four. Simple. This is probably going to be a dire version of a creature. You know something that you would normally expect to fight. I'm a big fan of dire wolves, uh, so there's a good chance in this game somewhere there's going to be a dire wolf or a dire bear, some sort of animal that's bigger and badder than you would have expected it to be. Uh, my third card is a necromancer's excuse me necromancer again. I'm from Kentucky. Um, assistant. So literally, uh, there's a very good chance that we're probably going to have um, a necromancer might end up being the big bad guy. The assistant could be the, like a minor boss, uh, the one maybe he's pulling the strings or the first contact that you make. So there's a good chance there's probably going to be undead or zombies or demons of some sort in the game as, as monsters. Uh, if you do this, especially with core, it's very common that you're going to get a black card that is zombies or undead because that's kind of the theme. So that one may just be, I might leave it out at the end. If, if that's the only card that doesn't really fit, I'll just ignore it. Because, again, right. you don't have to use all the cards. The point is just to inspire you. And if a card just doesn't make sense, don't feel obligated to use it. So my next card is an artifact. It's a bronze sable. So this could be um, a guardian. Uh, again, it could be like an artificial creature guardian that's guarding something. So maybe there's a puzzle trap. There's a tomb that has to be explored, and this is one of the guardians. Or this could even be the MacGuffin that uh, gets stolen. Maybe that's what this aerial strike is after. It's a, you know, something that is, is the, the symbol of power to that one nation. And when it's taken, it's a symbol that they've they got victory. So the whole point of the game may be to go back and recover this uh, artifact. Uh, my next card is a mediation puzzle. Again, very simple. You could use it as a puzzle. Maybe it's part of the, uh, the dungeon. Uh, the artwork as a, as a female appears to be sort of meditating. Makes sense. 
Uh, so it could be that there's an NPC that's involved, that they are able to, to shed some light on why this attack happened, what they were truly after, who was behind it. So this could just be a helpful NPC, or it could even be the, the quest giver who comes in after the attack and summons the, the PCs together and says, hey, this is why this is going on. This is what they were really after, and now I need you to go solve the problem. Uh, my next card is a Statute of Denial. Basically, it's like a, a counter spell. You know, I've done this enough times, I, sometimes I have my go-to, uh, but it could be like an area of magical nullification. So depending on what level, I'm, I'm very famous for starting my games at very low level, but if you're playing a higher level campaign where you've got several magic items, maybe they get into a situation where magic just doesn't work and they have to try to think around their problems that way. My next creature, or your next card is uh, Krinko's Enforcer. It's a goblin warrior. You know, very easy there that you could have um, goblins as the enemy that you're having to fight. Uh, this creature has Intimidate. I like to also try to change things up a little bit. So this could maybe also be another helpful NPC because I, I like to play with my character's uh, predispositions. And you put an ugly, mean goblin in there, you, they pretty much assume they're going to fight it. Maybe he's the helpful person that can, that can give them information or lead them through enemy territory because he knows the way if you're willing to negotiate with him. Uh, and if the characters decide to fight him, that's fine. Yeah. You know, that, that's, it's not wrong but it might have been an easier encounter later if they had actually worked with him rather than against him. Call sure. out to our listeners, stomp the goblin. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an NPC that uh, any of our listeners who listen in quite often know exactly who we're talking about. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> oh, no problem. Uh, so my next card is a enchantment. It's marked by honor, and it kind of shows a glowing suit of armor and a sword. Uh, so this could be something that is granted as a boon to the characters at the start of the adventure, like because they agree to do this, they get, uh, you know, everybody gets some sort of boon. Uh, this could be a magical artifact that they find along the way. This could be the end thing they try to get, or maybe they have to get that first before they are able to go to the next part. Uh, but it's some sort of magical enhancement that they have to get during the course of the adventure. Next one is a Hydro Surge. It's a blue instant that affects creatures. I don't really have a strong reaction to this card right now. This, this might be one that gets uh, thrown out. Uh, it could be sort of a fun random encounter. Uh, maybe if they're in a forest and after the dire creature attacks them, they find a spring. Then it's just like, a you know, it gives them a couple of days rest. It could be just a little time to have some role play, uh, like around a campfire. So maybe just a, a natural spring with maybe even some healing properties because that's always nice. Man, it feels like I've got 37 cards here. Uh, so the next <laughs> one is a Capso Kite Fins, which looks like it's a flying fish creature. So we've already established that there's probably some sort of aerial attack. Maybe these are involved. Maybe these are the, the country that was invaded. That's what they use to fight off the attack so that both sides have flying creatures. would always be really fun to, to be on something that flies. It, you know, you can create some interesting situations. So maybe during that initial battle, there's an opportunity for the PCs to get involved then and, you know, have an aerial battle and, you know, hopefully they don't fall to their death. So my next one is an artifact. It's Staff of the Sun uh, Magus. Uh, again, that could just mean that there is a wizard that's involved. It could be an NPC that helps them. It, that could be, end up being the main bad guy because I really still haven't felt a strong attachment to the black card, the Necromancer. So maybe they're the one that's behind the other thing. Uh, next one is an instant stoke the flames. It's uh, basically a large fire creature. Could be a dragon or fire elementals. Classic. I love those. Uh, you know, because you can kind of put them anywhere. They could be summoned. So you're in a place where you feel comfortable. You're sitting around the campfire. Could even be around that spring we said earlier. And then your campfire starts to get a little brighter. Starts to get a little hotter. 
And then you sort of build up that suddenly there's now a form in the fire. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> and then it attacks you. And that's even weirder. And you just look at the wizard, the player who plays the wizard, and you say, go on, cast fireball. <laughs> Let's see it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. And that actually goes back to the hydro surge now. So you would have to use water against the fire creature. So that, that may draw that back in. Aggressive mining is my next card. It's an enchantment where you can't play land. So this could be part of the story. Maybe that other country found something. They they dug too deep, as they say in Lord <laughs> of the Rings, and they released a foul demon from the depths that has taken over the country. And that's why they're attacking, because they're now being led by this evil force. Uh, they could have exhausted their own natural resources, and so now they're having to invade because they just don't have enough of a common item or mineral. Uh, so this to me, that's more of a story element of, of the reasoning why something's happening. And that was actually my rare. Uh, and then I have a, a foil. Woohoo! Oh, nice. uh, invasive species. So an insect creature. And that could be a, a swarm. So that, that's always a fun encounter, particularly in fifth edition that doesn't actually have swarm rules yet. So you kind of make up whatever you want. Uh, but again, so we're at the campfire. Uh, you know, both elemental. We all think we're fine. And then just a swarm of beetles just run over you and start eating you and you know depending on what level you are and what your abilities are that's how you might fight that off swarms are always fun mitch you just recently started using swarms and i have hated every minute of swarms so far <laughs> yeah hated them uh, fun mechanics yep uh particularly i like crawling hands but that that's pretty much how it would, would work. I, I would probably go back through a second time and eliminate some of the cards and build connections. But but I'm already seeing um, an adventure here. The PCs are probably part of a guard unit or other bodyguard for some noble house or, or kingdom. It gets attacked out of the blue. Uh, something is stolen that's valuable, and they are sent to recover it. And then they, you know, the, the typical adventure, it's like the reverse Lord of the Rings. You're not trying to go get rid of something. You're trying to go get something. You have all these adventures on the way. There's a wizard involved because, hey, um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it may not be the most most in-depth adventure, but you're going to have fun playing it, and that's all that matters. That's cool. Cool. All right, you guys want to give it a shot? You can do it. Uh, okay, so uh, I went out and I got a pack of the new set, Fate Reforged, and so kind of spread out my cards, and uh, I'm already loving this. This is pretty sweet. If It just gives you good ideas for a campaign and uh like you said michael like people want to do this they don't have to use all the cards they can get inspired by the names get inspired by the creatures they can get inspired by the spells they can get inspired by the illustrations and that to me is something that for me really works like a lot of where i get inspiration from is by simply going online and searching for images like uh fantasy images and things like that and i get i just get a story out of a uh, you know that old saying a picture says a thousand words well that's where a lot of my stories come from is just seeing an image and my mind just goes crazy with what is that image telling a story of? And that's where I go off. So while we were doing this, I kind of split up my cards and I'll run down quickly just what the cards are. And uh, we'll put a picture up on our uh, website of uh, what each of us got as cards total. So if you're really interested in what the mechanics are and stuff like that, go on there. But I'll just run down my cards uh, quickly. So I got Abzan Sky Captain, which is a bird soldier creature. Uh, Whisperer of the Wilds, a human shaman. Frontier Mastodon, an elephant creature. Uh, Crash Defenses, a sorcery. Jeskai Runemark, an enchantment. Solte Emissary, which is a zombie warrior. Dowson Gloom, an instant. Harsh Sustenance, an instant. Uh, Mind Scour Dragon, which is a dragon, clearly. <laughs> uh, I got two Defiant Ogres. One was a foil, so woo, foil on my end, too. 
I didn't uh, get a foil. Uh, That's lame. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Alicia's Vanguard, which is an orc warrior. Neutralizing Blast, an instant. And then I got a Windscarred Crag, which is a land that uh, looks like a, a mountain in the background. over, And there's a swamp, it seems like. And then there, the my rare was Crucible of the Spirit Dragon, a land card. Uh, so I, I started looking at these, and uh, the cog started working. I saw right away my first card was a zombie card, kind of like you were saying. You you started talking about, oh, you always get a black creature that's a zombie. And that's what I got. Uh, but my mind started working with that. And I also got the Douse and Gloom card, which shows uh, a knight riding through a field, and these zombie hands are popping up and trying to take him down. But then I got a harsh sustenance card that doesn't have anything to do with... I don't think it has anything to do with zombies or undead or anything. But when I look at the picture, it's there's three wizard-like characters, and they're surrounding a dead dragon. Um, and what they're doing is unclear just by the picture. They seem to be taking some kind of magic from it. And so I started thinking with that card and with the Crucible of the Spirit Dragon land card about a, a wizard uh, that was I got inspired by the enchantment uh, Jeskai Runemark because although it's not a creature wizard... Uh, the image of, is of this wizard character floating in the air with this mark on his chest, really ominous looking. It's not, it's a blue card, it's not even a black card, but I started thinking about this wizard who's using this necromancy to bring back people who are dead. Uh, maybe they've fought in a war for a long time and uh, there's been wars and he's he's got plenty for the picking of dead bodies, but then he finds out about this secret location. It's been a legend for years, but nobody's ever found it. This crucible of the spirit dragon, uh, this place where dragons apparently go to die. Uh, this is where they go when they're at the end of their age and they, they die. And so this is perfect for this, this powerful wizard to go. Now he's got dead dragons to raise again to fight for him. And so that's what I got off of that harsh substance picture where... They're kind of, they, he's got mages, and he has underlings that are uh, taking the souls from these dragons. And so uh, that, that I thought would be a good like end point for the campaign. Your characters have to find this crucible of the spirit dragon, this place where dragons go to die and stop this evil necromancer or wizard from gaining the power of this place, this legendary place. What I got from the other cards is the Windscarred Crag. Uh, I put kind of put the cards together that I wanted to be plot points. And so I put together Windscarred Crag, the land that had a mountain and a swamp, Frontier Mastodon, Whisperer of the Wilds, and Abzan Sky Captain. Well, part of the plot would have to be how do you find where this <clears throat> this place is where dragons go to die? And I would think this should be something that is told in legends, but nobody really knows where it is. But you always think of this like sage or something knowing where like the stories and telling stories and knowing a little bit more than other people. So I thought of the Whisper of the Wilds and the Frontier Mastodon because the Whisper of the Wilds card has uh, the shaman is pictured with a Mastodon in back of her. So I think, oh, she's that's what she rides. That's her mount, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe she knows more about this crucible of the spirit dragon and where dragons go to die. And so you have to go and find her, but she's uh, rumored to live on top of this mountain, Windscarred Crag, where the... Abzan uh, Sky Captain came into my mind of she lives among these bird creatures. And so you have to go kind of into territory that most people wouldn't go into because it's dangerous and 
maybe there's not good relations. These uh, bird people don't interact with people. They don't they don't like outsiders. Uh, but you have to go and you have to find this uh, this shaman to be able to find where this place is. And then the other cards, I just thought um, the orcs and the ogres. Uh, if you want to have random encounters that aren't zombies scattered across the land, you throw some of them in, or you make them zombies of ogres and orcs. Um, so those could be some random encounters for that. And uh, my last card that I kind of thought of would be a cool thing would the Mind Scour Dragon. Well, if you're going to go uh, to this place where this necromancer is rising, bringing dragons back from the dead, you have to have some battle between a dragon, right? So that's where you get that dragon, and at the end, this dragon that's come back from the dead. Or possibly, and this would be crazy for your players, but maybe you befriend a dragon who wants to also kill this necromancer. And if you befriend a dragon, then I'm going to expect you to be fighting two zombie dragons. But <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's what I got from my uh, card pack. Yeah, this is really cool. I'm glad that we uh, had you on to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Next campaign. <laughs> like you need an excuse to buy more Magic the Gathering cards, right? Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. my wife is going to be so happy with my new <laughs> ability to come up new with stories. Ab- yeah. But I need it for D&D yeah. now, too. <laughs> All right, Chris, let's, let's hear what you get. All right, so uh, with uh, with my pack, I kind of got them in order. I have, for the most part, three different kind of stories going on in here, and so I'll I have one short one, then a longer one, and then another short one Ooh, at the end. Breaking the mold, Chris. Breaking. I'm, well, I'm sorry. I got I got three <laughs> ideas out of yeah, one pack. Yeah, that's, that's good. Showing showing the listeners right, different so, ways to do this. Uh, my first card is called Aerial Formation, and it has nothing to do uh, with a lot of flying creatures. In this picture, there is a legion of men who kind of look like Roman soldiers who are fighting against this big merfolk-looking creature out on the that's out in the water. They're like almost on like this dock-looking, like they were expecting this attack to come somehow. Ironically enough, I have another card within my deck who was a merfolk wizard oh, who's going to be the person rising out of the water who they're <laughs> going to be fighting against. And this merfolk wizard has a really interesting mechanic where each player reveals a top card of his or her library. And so I took that idea and I was like, what if this merfolk wizard also had psychic abilities and they could read into these people's minds and make them start to turn against each other. And so it wasn't even that they were going to be able to fight against this merfolk wizard. They were going to be fighting against each other to weaken Hmm. their own numbers. So the rest of the merfolk army could come through and take out the rest of the city that would have rivers and, and stuff all throughout the city. And so, you know, so however you want to come up with that, however people can, you know, if you have to have other wizards who can protect you against their psychic abilities, they start to realize, oh, shoot, this is going on. I'm hearing voices in my head. People break the mold. How do you fight back against somebody that is being controlled by somebody else psychically, you know? So that would, that would bring in some interesting dynamics, uh, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, so the next longer story that I have coming out of this is about a human wizard. It's called Stonewise Fortifier. Um, So you could come up with some name. This guy, it looks like he's standing in a field of old ruins. Uh, And so it looks like in this picture, it kind of looks like his old home got destroyed. And so he's kind of displaced. He's trying to find this new place to go. He befriends these eagle creatures that are going to help him find this new home that he can stay and, and live in. And so these these creatures have flying, they have vigilance. One eagle in particular, the one that he's going to befriend, is is a is the leader of the group, obviously. Uh, and he has the ability to rally around him all of these other eagles. Uh, the next card is Rise of Eagles. And so just put two, two blue bird enchantment creature tokens with flying into the battlefield. So this, 
this leader eagle has the ability uh, once this wizard, it kind of sounds like Lord of the Rings almost with Gandalf and the Eagles, but uh, where, <laughs> That's where he okay. just, he Creation befriends, inspiration. yeah, right. He befriends this, this leader Eagle who has the ability, uh, whether it's his family that he's rallying with him or whether it's his friends or just the rest of the Eagle, the Eagle pack. Is that the, the flock of Eagles or whatever? Flock of Eagles kind of sounds kind of lame. Like <laughs> when you're talking seagulls. about Eagles. Yeah. A flock of Seagulls. Yeah. Whatever it's called for it's Eagles. Pack. They're able, yeah, right. They're able to uh, find this new home for this wizard. But what they don't know, the place that they're trying to find is called the Font of Fertility. Uh, and this is known by some later creatures that I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but what this wizard didn't know is that this was home to somebody else. And so he inadvertently starts this war over this this font of, of fertility, which is very fertile land. There's a picture of a river with a or a, a lake with like a waterfall going into it. It's very it's this very kind of solemn looking place, almost like it would be like a, a, a temple to a forest god or or something like this. It's just a very fertile, natural looking area uh, with some ruins and stuff like that in it. What he didn't know about this place is that it has the ability to, if people are sick or they're dying, uh, or even if they have died sometimes, it has the ability to bring back people from the dead. And the card that I have is Reviving Melody. It says, choose one or both. You can return a target creature from your hand, or from your graveyard to your hand, uh, or return target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So I went more with the, you can bring a creature card back from the dead. Hmm. And so they would bring uh, these creatures that I'll talk about in a minute bring their, their sick or their dead or their dying to this place. And this wizard didn't know about that until he got there and people started showing up. And he's a very kind of selfish wizard. So once he realizes all of these amazing abilities about this place, he's like, no, this is my place. This is no longer your place. And so then this war kind of inadvertently starts over this this uh, this place that he's, he's now come to call home. The people that he's fighting against are the centaurs, uh, which the one that I have is Ferris Band Thunderhoof. So this is the guy's name. He is... He's going to be the the commander of the centaurs that are, that live out in the woods just outside of this this font that that this wizard has taken over, uh, and he has the ability to also rally around him uh, all sorts of other other centaurs. Uh, and and one thing that is interesting about him is he has the ability in his card that whenever a target is cast on him or or whatever he he gets two plus one plus one counters. And so I imagine that he also has this wizard buddy. Who comes alongside of him, wizard, wizard or 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 whatever you want, bard who plays song form and he gets more powerful. But he's this guy that bard. he's the first one to just <laughs> ride into battle, and and he has all these spells being cast on him, so that he's just this big intimidating creature coming into into battle uh, to fight back against this other wizard who has taken his holy sanctuary where they bring their dead and their dying to heal them and and revive them back to health. Uh, and he has alongside of him this army of boars. So you can have boars or dire boars riding alongside of him or whatever. The card that I got is Blade Tusk Boar, which has Intimidate. And so these things are stinking scary looking. Mitch, you can see this picture. Look at the tusk, tusk on those things. Yeah. They like <laughs> dire, curl dire around. Boars. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they're huge. They have big front tusks, and then they have these tusks in the back that wrap around and have like these kind of reminds me of uh if you've seen the meme of the star wars uh new star wars movie lightsaber where like it just breaks out into like a billion blades oh like, yeah yeah it's got the, like this these, these sharp jagged <laughs> edges to this tusk coming off so these things are mean looking and so these eagles are fighting against these centaurs and these tusks these boars and stuff like that there's one card that i want to go back to that this wizard has at this point in time um that people didn't know he had this card is called skybind and it looks like there's this this guy just floating. It looks like this portal opened up underneath him, and he just like fell into this 
nether area where he's just kind of floating helplessly. And so what these centaurs, yeah, what these centaurs didn't know uh, until they started running into battle is that they just started, some of them just started disappearing because this wizard is Hmm. casting these spells where people just run, they're running, and all of a sudden they just enter into this space where they're just like... Fall into the ground. Yeah, they just fall into the ground or whatever, and they're just like, where in the world am I? And so he's just gradually just capturing more and more people into this this nether area where they can't get out of. It's a it's a convocation of eagles, by the way. Is that what it's called? Uh, how did you not know that? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I looked it up. And <laughs> I did too. Yeah, nice. The same. Yeah. Great minds, man. Great minds. <laughs> I couldn't because I was focused on the podcast. No, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's that's cool. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so the last one that I have is uh, it's it's black cards. I didn't really know how to how to add these in. Um, Dreadbringer Lampids is what they're called. They're they're nymph characters. They what they look like they're doing is they have gone into this cave where a bunch of like dead bodies are and and it looks like there's a couple of them that are like reaching up from the ground to like look up to these these nymphs to have them bring them back to dead. And the card that I got after these Deathbringer Lampids was Font of Return, uh, which you can return up to three creature cards from your graveyard to your hand by sacrificing this card and paying the mana cost and all that. But I have this story running in my head where it's like these nymphs are starting to create this this army of undead people that were sealed away in this cave for a reason. They were they were some sort of evil army that a, a nation conquered at one point in time, and and they didn't want any sort of history to be written about these people. They didn't want anybody to know about them, and so they locked these people away in this this cave, and the nation had completely forgot about them. Centuries have passed. Nobody knows who this old army was. And these nymphs have not forgotten who they were. And these they realize that these people are really strong warriors. And so they start finding this cave uh, where they can return these people from the dead to make them into their own army to conquer this nation. And all of this takes place, the last card that I have is called Magma Spray. It all takes place within this volcanic kind of, it's off in the distance. And, and it's, it's, almost, it's this really intimidating picture of this lava being shot out of the side of a mountain. And so I just imagine these people that are, are trying to march in and stop these nymphs from from taking over and, and creating this undead army, having to walk through this this really dark and just filled with smoke and lava shooting out of the ground, and they're just they're freaking out of their mind while they're fighting these undead creatures that these nymphs have raised from the dead. Uh, and so I think that'd be a really crazy, scary encounter to walk through. Dude, look so at that, Michael and his synergy idea, and three dollars and fifty cents got you. Three, three campaigns. Three different campaign ideas. <laughs> Showing us up how to do this. <laughs> nice. That was awesome. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, that, that was, was really, really fun. Cool. Well, I like how, too, like, I, I like some of us use the cards, the artwork. Some of us use the mechanics. Some of us, I mean, the flavor text. It really is, I don't say endless, but it's very open. You can interpret the same cards multiple ways. And, and uh, you especially, Mitch, when you were talking about yours, there were a couple of times where I'm like, oh, I could see how I would use that card differently. So it's yeah. not like it's just well, this is what you get. It's it's your interpretation of what it is. So it can still be different every time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you, we went out and we got new new card decks. But like you said at the beginning, you already play Magic. You probably have a thousand, if not thousands, of cards. You can just go through just and pick ten of them. Whether, out yeah, if you want to pick ten out randomly, or if you want to go through that those boxes until you get inspiration. Like it doesn't have to be. Oh, I need a idea for a campaign. It could be. Let me just take some notes down and see what I can get and uh, just ideas for camping. I mean, we always say, we say, take down your ideas all the time. Remember to write them down like so you can reference back to them in the future when you're having that point where you're like, 
I don't know what I'm going to do this week for D&D. Well, you can go back and you can say, look at all these ideas I've come up with from magic, from my own head, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a great way to gain some inspiration. Uh, We thank you for uh, showing us how to do this. And if the listeners really like this, they can head over to your guys' podcast and listen to all the other times that you guys do this and gain more ideas from it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, and I'm sorry if you get divorced now because of all the money you're going to spend. <laughs> <laughs> nah, never going to happen. I, sh- I only get $7 a week allowance right now, so <laughs> I can only get so much. So <laughs> I'm pretty, uh, she's That's pretty strict. Two packs. That's two packs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's two packs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to eat, though, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Is there anything else that you want to wrap up the synergy idea with? Any last words with that? The only thing I would say, at least for on my show, that we've invited people to do this with us. You know, we, we show what cards we have or we talk about them and they send in their own version. Uh, it'd be something fun for you guys to do as well. You went through all your cards. Hmm. Maybe some of your listeners say, well, this is what I would have done with them. And, and then like post them on your website as like a, an article or something. And if uh, you guys uh, who are listening choose to do this and you guys go out and get some cards... Uh, we want to encourage you to send both us and Michael uh, and the rest of RPG Cast an email and say, "Here's how we used them." Where can they contact you guys if they if they do want to email you guys? Everything's the RPG Academy, so it's Michael at the RPGAcademy dot com or Caleb at the RPGAcademy dot com. Uh, we're we're very active on Twitter. If you want to get a hold of us, we're on there way too much, and it's at <laughs> the RPG Academy is probably the easiest way. Uh, We also have a Facebook page as well, which is at the RPG Academy. So uh, just go RPG Academy. You probably will find us. And if that was too fast for you to write all that down, like we said, it'll all be in the show notes. So just check it out in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we encourage you. Uh, We always love to hear from you guys. I'm sure that the RPG Academy would also, if you, especially if you're going to use this idea, would love to hear how uh, you went through the process and what ideas you came up with. It's it's always good to share ideas with our fellow DMs and GMs, so uh, we really do encourage that. Top tens. So now we're going to move on to the part of the episode that's uh, probably one of our favorite things that we do here. On After the today, Dungeon I'll Masters have block. 30 different campaign right? or just ideas sitting around that I haven't used yet for myself. So, <laughs> so we're moving to our top 10 uh, ideas from creation and inspiration. And uh, Michael has come up with the top 10 ideas. And uh, of course, we're going to start down at 10, work our way up as we always do. Uh, and we're going to go around and share and Comment on our ideas and uh, see what we got for you. We have not, as always, we don't know what each other's top tens are, so maybe there'll be some overlap, but there hasn't been yet. Uh, But we're just going to react to them as they come, and it's going to be a great time. So how about we let Michael go first as our guest? Uh, Oh, great. uh, (laughs) I'm cool with that. Michael, you want to go first? Number 10? Uh Sure. Uh, so we're going to do like all the way 10 to 1, or are we going to like rotate 10, 10, yep. 10? Yeah, 10, we'll 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Yep, 9, yep. Okay. Uh, 9, I 9, don't know 9. I'm necessarily going <laughs> to get better as I go. Um, but the first one I'll start with is a notorious villain shows up in town claiming that a doppelganger has been impersonating him for years. So the idea would be he's not actually a bad guy, but he's being impersonated. So now you're going to help the guy that everyone wants to murder. 
because of this doppelganger. Nice. That's, That's kind of cool. Yeah, we, we've we used doppelgangers in the past, so we our listeners like the doppelganger ideas. Yeah. yeah. And that's like uh that's sweet. And I almost feel like you at least got to spend one night adventuring, trying to figure out if this guy's even telling the truth. I can, <laughs> I can imagine like an this interrogation really, scene or something. I can imagine this doppelganger's had him chained up for years and he finally found this way to get out. And he's like this really disheveled oh, like guy walking into town and people are like, what the heck is going on? And he's like, I've been captured. Like the guy you've known is not the actual guy. Like you got to believe me. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, he looks like he's got the crap kicked out of him. Do we, do we believe him? Like, are we supposed to at this point in time? I like that idea. That's a great idea. So, Mitch, you want to go next? Do you want to do your 10? Yeah, my number 10. So nor, I, I've, I've stuck to my top 10s have always been so far a boss battle. So I'm keeping it the same. I'm bringing you a boss battle. First time we had a food mage. Last time we had a level 20 NPC. Uh, this time... Yeah, level 20 commoner. Um, yeah, <laughs> level, yep, level 20 commoner. This time I'm going to bring out the gelatinous cube, one of the most famous D&D monsters of all time. But I started to wonder, uh, what would happen if like, you went to the sewers or wherever the gelatinous cube in your world uh, live, and maybe your characters see these gelatinous cubes and they're fighting these gelatinous cubes. Some are bigger than others, uh, but they all seem to be heading in this one direction. All of a sudden, you guys reach this point and you you come into this huge room or wherever you are and you see gelatinous cube upon gelatinous cube sucking together or whatever the word would be into one ginormous gelatinous cube <laughs> like and so the boss battle would be fighting this gigantic gelatinous cube i even thought of this by taking this a step further and what if like you didn't find this gelatinous cube in time and all of a sudden there's this giant giant gelatinous cube going across the country sucking up entire villages into itself and mm. so you just like see skeletons upon skeletons just floating around in this giant cube if you're if you're familiar with the star wars expanded not canon anymore universe i thought of the world devastators oh sure as giant cube gelatinous cube so <laughs> that was my that was my number 10 i thought that was pretty hilarious that was good i like that <laughs> uh all right my number 10 is um, you guys are guards, or you've been hired as mercenaries. You as the players have been hired as mercenary people to transport prisoners from one jail to another. Uh, what you didn't know, you weren't explained about these people, is that they were a part of an old assassins group that they were captured from, and the other members are trying to free them, and they've been alerted that you are on the move, moving them from one place to the other. The only thing is, what they do is they don't take you all out at once. They do it slowly. When you go to sleep at night, they do it one by one by one. One person a night, one to, one just one person per night, uh, and they slowly pick you off as you sleep. No matter how many people you have, like standing guard, it always seems that one of your buddies goes missing. So it would be something where you have to have some NPCs that slowly just disappear. You know, as you've made relationships with them, they just slowly disappear one by one. You can come up with whatever you want to be the assassins. They could be, you know, any number of creatures. But that was that was the idea I had for for my number ten. Again, uh, I'm a big fan of the mystery that I don't necessarily know the answer to either. So I like the idea of this very sort of interesting thing happening. And, you know, like, why would that be happening? Why would the people that you know be disappearing? Uh, So I really like Mm -hmm. that. And as a DM, I would be fine with starting that game, having no idea what the answer is when I started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I can, uh, you know, as as I'm thinking about this, it's like, you don't know the people are part of the assassins group, but those people that are your prisoners are totally knowing what's going on at this point in time. And they're just sitting there. And you're kind of figuring out, like, okay, 
Maybe we have to interrogate these people. Maybe we have to try and figure out who they know that's trying to free them while we're going through this campaign. So kind of a good idea. I like so, that. I like it. Michael, what do you have for your, what do you have for your number nine? So in this one, the PCs, uh, they're either in a, a large metropolis that has like a museum or another place that has artwork. And uh, the artwork starts to come to life, but only for them. So... Like when they're in the okay. in there, it's like a night of the museum, but it, it, it could okay. happen regular time, but they're the only ones that see this and um, they can use those paintings to get information about, you know, like a long ago hero can tell them stories, but eventually something starts happening and the paintings start to disappear. Like they come in one day, one of them is just a blank canvas and there's like some sort of creature or thing is, is devouring the energy within them. And so they have to help and then probably would have to go into the paintings so it'd be a thing like they jump into one painting and they're in that scene, like a legendary battle. The next one, they're in the ice ice mountains or underwater or whatever the case may be. So you could have like a sandbox campaign that's within a building. Yeah, that's really cool. And that would, like, I know we've come up with different timelines for the worlds that we've created. That would be a cool way to go back into different timelines and re-experience different things that have happened if you've homebrewed yeah. your own world. I uh, When you were telling uh, us this idea, I thought of, for anybody who's ever played uh, the Dark Souls game, the first one, there was a, a place where you did go into a painting like that, and that was probably my favorite part of the game. It was sweet, but uh, it it gives you as a DM a opportunity to kind of go places and do things that you wouldn't uh, necessarily be able to do maybe in a world maybe that you have created with set rules and things like that to use creatures to break the laws of physics to use all these different kinds of things that's a really sweet idea i even think of what if there's like some guy behind the paintings that's like a evil artist slash magician that's like created these things that are you know and and he maybe even the reason it's only happening to you is because he's got it out for you but that's that's an awesome idea mitch what is your number nine my number nine is uh, that you have, whether it's a town or a village or whatever, uh, they're under attack from dragons. That's pretty normal. Uh, that's pretty nothing too extraordinary there. However, uh, what if these dragons were not actually dragons? And I can imagine that the first reveal would be you and your party fight this dragon, and they're going to be a little bit, they're going to be a little less strong than regular dragons. But you finally defeat this dragon, and this dragon doesn't flop to the ground dead, but all of a sudden it turns into snow and just crumbles on the ground. If you don't know what I'm talking about yet, you're probably a semi-normal RPG player because (laughs) I kind of looked this thing up and then got the idea from it. But there are these things called, and this is a level 7 wizard and sorcery spell, it's an illusion spell called the the simulacrum, and it's a spell that creates an illusionary creature that can actually, it does, it's not just an illusion, it does like damage and stuff like that, but it's created from ice and snow, and it comes off with half the hit points of the actual creature, Hmm. and so what if you have these evil wizards who are trying to become like leaders of wherever these dragons are attacking, and so they're like hidden up in the mountains or somewhere in a tower, and they're making these creatures, these dragons, out of ice and snow sending them down and not then putting themselves in harm's way and uh they're just going to keep attacking the town until you and your players figure out what is going on here and have to go after them i thought that'd be a pretty cool Mm, encounter that is really cool what about you chris uh all right my number nine is it's kind of like a a little silly i guess you could say that's Uh, all right yeah this is this is uh you could either do this if you're running like an evil campaign or if you stumbled across like a a troll cavern or something like that. Uh, 
you guys remember the game, the game, the game back in the day? It was uh, called Elf Bowling. You remember this game at all? No. No? No, I've never heard of it. Never heard of it? Oh, man. They had like one, two, and three. It was great. Uh, so they had they had at the end of this lane you had elves that Santa would bowl like this bowling ball Where down to the end. This? <laughs> yeah, it's just 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 all right, all right. Uh, and you would hit them, and then the elves would go flying, and then they would walk back on and get set back up again. So I was thinking, <laughs> what if these trolls had captured these like this gnomish like community out in the forest, and were using them for their own little fun game of gnome bowling within their cavern? It's stupid. <laughs> It's very stupid. That's why. That's it's right. Not, that's right. That's why it's comedy nine, is a but, great part of playing. Well, can you just imagine, games. like you're trying to like sneak in as like a rogue to like get back like this creature or this this friend of yours who's been captured by the trolls, and you walk in and all of a sudden it's like, what? What are those gnomes doing at the end of this like this cavern? And then you see this massive boulder go rolling down, and you see these gnomes go flying across <laughs> the room. Oh, that'd be kind of interesting and funny. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, we don't have to spend too much time talking about that. We can move on from that. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Michael, you got anything? I'm pretty speechless. <laughs> Not on that one. <laughs> uh, all, all right, right, let's move on past that one. Michael, number what's, eight. Your, what's your number eight? Um, so I'm also a fan of doppelgangers. I like to use them a lot. So I have an idea. It's kind of like the Truman Show is that uh, the PCs are all in sort of a town or village. Seems Everything seems pretty normal. There's not a lot of action or adventure going on. And so this will be more of a mystery. And eventually the PCs would start to learn that some of the people in the town are actually doppelgangers. But what's happened is actually everyone in the town is a doppelganger, and their job is to keep the PCs content. So they're just basically keeping them away from something else. There's a big bad that's like, I need these guys out of the way. Just make them happy. And so it's literally like the Truman Show in D&D terms. They have to figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So the doppelgangers aren't trying to hurt them. They're not going to attack them. But they're trying to unravel the mystery of who's really doing what they're doing to keep them busy. And then they would eventually obviously go and deal with that. But I, I like that idea, especially because you're relating it to a, a great movie, The Truman Show. They just have to um, hide their backstage doors really well. Yeah. And, that's that's right. and like we talk about doing character creation night and with your uh, with your players coming up with their characters together so you can work with them and really get to know who their characters are going to be. And then build NPCs that are related to their characters in that way to have when you start the game. Well, your players are going to be pretty attached to those NPCs that they come up with. But, in secret, that guy's <laughs> wife is a doppelganger. Yeah, sure. That guy's father is a doppelganger. And that moment where that is revealed is going to be crazy for your players. <laughs> that would be that would be a crazy Their reveal. Their whole life has been a lie. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd right. be great. Yeah, and then you have the whole, like, story. how the heck do you handle that as mm-hmm. the, cl- the player, too? Mm-hmm. You know, having your whole life just ruined by that. Yeah. You got, you got to get one of your players to name themselves Truman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, Mitch, what do you got for your number eight? All right, so for my number eight, uh, we talked about this a little bit on, I think, two episodes ago, how I created a risk board game of mm-hmm. my world. But basically going along with that idea, if you have like a battle of some sort that you want to happen in your world, but you as a DM aren't set on like, oh, this side needs to win, this side needs to win. You could come up with a risk style version of play where you have your players play as one side and they can work together. And uh, maybe even if you could figure out a mechanic where their their heroes are pieces on the board that give bonuses or such to their team's army. And then you can play uh, the other army. And if you have villains, you could drop them in as bonuses. But 
Uh, you could literally play out a battle if you as a DM don't have a this team needs to win kind of mentality, and you could have this battle happen, and whatever happens, that's going to set the course of the rest of your story. Now, if, you're, if your side wins, then you run into do the players all die, and I would just say you could, depending on who you are as a DM, you could have them all like either get captured in Prisoners of War, and that sets off a storyline. You could have them like see in those final moments like that it's not going well, and they're going to have to escape, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like uh, maybe they've befriended a, uh, what was it? What was it of Eagles? What was the uh, group? Convocation. Convocation, Convocation of yeah. Eagles. Whew, comes down, helps them out, Lord of the Rings style. <laughs> but yeah, like I think that would be a really fun way to get your players to be involved in a huge, a huge battle in a sense without dropping a billion pieces on the board. Because we've talked about how that can be frustrating in battle keep taking track of everything. Yeah, so long. Yeah. So yeah. The idea yeah. of the big mask battle is often very cool, but the yes. execution is very rarely, in my experience, as cool as you thought it would be. It can turn into a four-hour moving pieces around very quickly. <laughs> we, we've we done it. We continue to do it because there's always that, like, like oh, this is going to be sweet. This when, co- this time. This yeah, time, it's, this gonna time cool. it's going to be yeah, great. Right. We've, like, set up, like, my, we've had players come in the whole entire table. we put in the Leafs. We've made it huge. And it's like, this is going to be great. And... We're playing for hours, and there's great moments. Yeah, but oh, yeah. oh boy, it's uh, yeah, it it can be tough. So that's a way to kind of you can maybe get around that and try that out. So that was my number eight, Chris. What is your number eight? Uh, in light of our last episode, where or our not our last episode, but our our aquatic episode. If you listen to it, you remember we talked about the sinkhole that opened up in the ocean, and something's down at the bottom of it. So you are a crew member. You and your group are a crew member, or once again, you're hired mercenaries to protect this really extremely rich family or woman or man or or whoever it is that's on this vessel. At some point in time, they're leaning over the deck or they're looking out over the ocean and they drop a family heirloom that is worth a significant amount of money into the ocean. And this person or this family says, we will pay you however much money you want to go down to the bottom of the ocean and and retrieve it for us. And so you got to come up with ways, okay, how do we get to the bottom, do we cast spells of water breathing, and, and all this other stuff, you eventually figure out that where it dropped, for some reason, there was this big, what they call blue hole in the ocean, where it's a sinkhole that opened up, it just goes straight down into the ocean. Like, you have the ocean floor, and then there's a big hole, and it fell down into there. And so this woman is willing, or this man, or whoever it is, is willing to pay you a lot of money. You realize, you've looked at the bottom of the ocean, it's not there. You're like, oh crap. We got to go down into this hole that we can't see anything down in the bottom of. We don't know what's going to be in there. But she is willing to pay us a buttload of money to go down there. (laughs) And so you go down to the bottom of this this hole and you find out that at the bottom of this, there's this layer of an abolith. We talked about this a little bit Mm -hmm. in our episode. And so you go down and you see this crazy looking creature down at the bottom who they're sitting in front of him or however you want the abolith to be in control of this family heirloom has this family heirloom. And now you have to do an underwater battle with people that are above ground creatures in the ocean, in the sinkhole where they already can't see a lot against this abolith creature who can just do mind blowing things to these people. If he wanted to Uh, all because these people are willing to pay you 
ton of money for this stupid family heirloom that probably isn't worth your life because you don't know what it is. <laughs> Greed will get you killed. Yeah. Greed often gets players killed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that so, is a, yeah. Yeah. Any DM knows that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every DM's favorite moment is when you say, when you're gambling and somebody says, do you want to go again? And you realize it's not real money, but people are like, all right, maybe I can make it back. And you just realize at that moment in time, everybody in a role-playing campaign is addicted to gambling. It's good. <laughs> it's not, yeah, not real money, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they still seem to get so upset when they lose. I know, I know. Uh, shout out to Richard Howard. Yeah, that right, one, huh? right. <laughs> nice. So, all right, Michael, what is your number seven? This one, I do a lot of mine based on movies. If you guys ever seen the original Thing with Kurt Russell? It's a great movie. Don't watch the remake. Watch the original. Well, the original is like from the 50s. So that is a remake, but it's a good remake. But anyway. Um, it's, it's the best remake. Exactly. The idea yeah. is to put the characters in a confined space, like a, like a smaller village, where there's a like a sandstorm that blows in, but it lasts for days or maybe even weeks. So there's a very long period of time where they really can't leave. Uh, and even going from like one village, make the tavern to another inn, maybe to the to the uh, armory or to the general goods store, uh, is very difficult. And there's a chance you'll get lost. And and then things start to appear in the sandstorm. So like people that do brave going out start disappearing. So I'm, I'm, this isn't a doppelganger issue, but it's it would be it would play out like a horror movie and kind of a mystery is that you know you go off alone, you're probably going to die. Uh, what exactly is in the sandstorm? I don't know yet, but I like the idea of putting the characters in a confined space where they can't really get away um, and seeing how they deal with that, like the role playing that comes out of it. And then you always have the cool thing will jump in. It's a big monster. So you still get your big fight at the end. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's uh, it's definitely a horror-ish theme. And just uh, imagine like being stuck in this town, like looking out the window, like a character looking out the window just like uh, how, just thinking about how he leaves and seeing maybe that first image of whatever that creature is in yeah. the shadows walking by or two eyes just staring up at him from like an alley or something yeah yeah i like that idea if you guys have seen the the movie the mist yes that was based on yes. Stephen king that also would be kind of a similar thing that you know there's something out there dangerous but you're trapped and you, so eventually you're going to do something yeah yeah for i remember watching that movie and i remember being like i understand how this movie had awful reviews and this is not the greatest special effects but I'm really into this movie. Yeah, I yeah. really, really I remember it. seeing the trailer for it. I've never actually seen it, but I was like, <laughs> I that, that looks intense from the trailer. And then I heard it did really awful. But yeah, I, I imagine those types of things where you can't and see the ending. in my opinion, great ending. <laughs> great ending. An amazing, better than the book ending. Yeah. So really? good. Oh. Right. Anyway, so good. sorry. I, I, I think I was watching it with my girlfriend. She got pissed at it. But I was like, that was sweet. Great ending. <laughs> All right, Mitch, what's your number seven? <laughs> All right, so my number seven is an idea for an encounter. Uh, basically you're on whatever, wherever your story leads, uh, you're on a ship and the ship is sinking, but you're going to have your players, however you want to get them to be here, being on the bottom level of a leveled ship and they're being attacked. Maybe like Kuatoa are attacking the ship and breaking through. And so not only will you have, um, a battle going on, but with each turn that, or each round that, uh, ends, water level is going to rise. So not only do you have this um, danger of enemies are attacking you and they're trying to cut you off because they can breathe underwater. Maybe they're even trying to grapple you and hold you down. Uh, but if you don't get from level to level in enough time, you're going to drown. <laughs> That's the point where one of your players go says to you, 
ah, my race can breathe underwater. Yeah, right. <laughs> or the the mage is like, ah, finally I can use this spell. Or or the mage more likely is going, I wish I picked that spell for the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, like I thought that'd be a sweet encounter, having to go levels to level up, level up, and then just eventually you're. Um, you're on top of the ship and trying to swim to land if it's close or get into a, a lifeboat or whatever it is. But Figure out some way to survive. Some way yeah. to survive, yep. yeah. Not to drown. The only thing I would I think there is, I like the idea of the water-breathing uh, enemies because that makes it even more difficult. But there should also be some that aren't. Yeah. yeah. And that allows the players to then use that to their advantage. Can they let the water uh, help them yeah. rather than hurt them every time? Yeah, 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 that's a good idea. Yeah, could somebody be chasing you and you're like, you shut the door and bar it shut, you know, to try and keep that that air breathing creature in that room so they can't get out, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's dark, but that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. like it. Yep. All right, Chris, number seven. All right, my number seven is say you're a part of a guild. It's it's not really a guild that's ever recognized within any of Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. So it's something that I made up. Uh, a guild of just crazed assassins, just pyromaniacs that love to burn things. Like that's that's what they are all about. Uh, and nobody knows where they are. Nobody knows how to figure out where to find them. And your guild just likes to see the world burn, set stuff on fire for fun. Uh, and you are also contracted out to do arsons for people that have a specific task in mind. Uh, and so people will somehow figure out, you know, whether it's they know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, and they need a specific target burn to the ground you can sneak in you know so maybe you're a little bit of a roguish character and you have to sneak in behind enemy lines uh and start kingdom's castle on fire or start a specific barracks on fire or something like that as a group of pyromaniacs running into uh or not running into sneaking into a city to do some sort of sabotage or something like that i think it'd be kind of fun if you did that campaign chris if you did that in a campaign i would be the member of the guild that would try and get a job at like a the equivalent of the firefighters like in that day, <laughs> infiltrate and like turn like whatever like lock the doors for like people to not be able to tell us whatever it is the way the wizard sends a carrier pigeon or something. There's a fire. I just like slam the, the windows <laughs> shut. Yeah. You fill all the sand busket buckets with like gunpowder or whiskey yeah. or something. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. who did that's, this? That's really water. <laughs> Boom! Yeah. It just blows up. I think I saw George filling it with that. <laughs> yeah, right. Gosh. Oh man! So I think that'd be fun being a part of a guild of that'd be sat, or of arsons. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That just gives your player like that kind of. If you actually made that to a campaign, like we, I think as DMs, uh, we've all probably dealt with players who just want to be like it's not even their their character. They just want to be crazy and chaotic and oh, you and give just, them free reign to get and that kind of just destroy your world. Well, then just give them a chance to do that by <laughs> just, doing this. Just kind of, yeah. Get it out of your like, system. Here you go, guys. Just, <laughs> this just, one's this one's for you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this one's on the house. Here you go. Have fun. <laughs> Knock it out of the park. Just do it well because we're not doing it again. Yep. <laughs> All right, Michael, uh, what do you have for your number six? Uh, so this is what I call my Scooby-Doo adventure. And <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. essentially the one of the PCs inherits uh, a mansion or a keep or a castle somewhere in a deserted swamp. Uh, and they have to go claim their birthright. And you can make it really goofy. I mean, you could literally have old man Johnson in a mask trying to keep them off, or you could go really dark, and there's, like, poltergeists and actual ghosts, and, you know, sure. there's a lot of evil around there they have to fight, or it could just be an adventure through the swamp. So it really depends on, on what you want to do, but I like the idea of them having to trek to this mansion and then exploring it, and it can be as funny or as serious as you want it to be. 
Yeah, you have the little chase scene where the jumping door to door. There's uh, extra dimensional space that like co- makes them come out different yeah, doors. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah, <laughs> they're changed hairstyles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You could. I mean, you, you theoretically, not to go back serious, but you could do that. Have like teleportation doors that just like all of a sudden you're in a different part of the house, like still mm-hmm. running from this character. It's just like you, you open the, the door and you see yourself going through. The door, <laughs> right? Hold the hand through. You like, look over and back, and now you're looking at your back. Yeah, uh, it's like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, so sweet, Mitch. What do you have for yours? Um, so for not my number six, I called this one "Cursed by the Gods." This I think would probably be a boss battle, or seeming to be a boss battle, and maybe your players decide, uh, and you decide that it can also be talked through and uh, diplomatic kind of encounter. But a man has been cursed by. A group of major gods in your world for some atrocity that he's committed. And in in my mind, this is something, this is a man that maybe, this happened like hundreds or thousands of years ago. Uh, and so he's been cursed by the gods. And now he is this monstrosity that's like a, a cursed being that he has, he has appearances and powers that mimic the, all the gods involved. But he's cursed forever to guard like, a place or a treasure or whatever it is for the gods and your player characters have to get to this place or get this artifact of some sort and so this could be a encounter or maybe part of the goal is trying to set this guy free because maybe what he did was actually a good thing and I like the idea of gods being flawed and having them uh, what they even if they're good gods having what they did to this guy not be a good thing and uh, I just like the idea of him being this creature now that looks kind of like a flesh golem almost, but like each part is completely different. You know, you got like uh, parts of if it's Procon, like he he has gills. If it's Pelor, maybe he like uh, has like glowing eyes or whatever. Uh, I'm sure you guys can think of all different like gods and stuff, and that you can put in. If we've talked about making up gods for your world, but yeah. just having all these different aspects and powers that mimic all the gods involved and that being some kind of tortured, tormented creature. To a much lesser degree than what the gods could do, right? Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, well, depending on what level suck. you're on. But... <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. That'd suck. You just all of a sudden come up and it's like, well, you're dead in one swoop. That'd <laughs> suck. Um, so for my number six, I have, there is a prince of a city who has been framed for poisoning his father, the king, with hemlock. Uh, he's been framed. He didn't actually do it, but he's been jailed and sentenced to death. And in a last-ditch effort, he, you know, he's got the cell where he can kind of see out into the city, and he, he catches this pigeon. He kind of lures it in using his food or whatever, catches this pigeon, and has this note that he ties to the leg of this pigeon and sets it free, kind of hoping, like, hope somebody finds this pigeon, sees that it's on this, le- on this leg, like, hey, I'm so-and-so, I didn't do this, I'm innocent, uh, somebody come and help me, and I will, I will pay you immensely for this. And your players are, are walking around the city or walking around out in the wild, and they find this pigeon who has either died or they, they catch it or they see that it's got this thing on its leg. And they're like, okay, we got to, there's something that's on it. We have to catch it, figure out what's on it. And they find this note from this, this prince that says, I'm, I'm innocent. I'm here. Come and free me. And then your whole mission is everybody's on guard trying to keep this guy. He obviously, well, he didn't, but they think he poisoned the king. And so whether it's, it gets all the way up to, He's on, you know, the, the stage ready to be hanged or he's in prison still or however you want to work it out. 
your job then is to try and free this prince from something that he was wrongly accused of doing. Mm. That was what I had for my number six. Um, you can do with that what you want. I, I I liked it a lot when I came up with it. So I feel like I have some running themes of like mysteries and trying to figure yeah, things out, kind of which I'm is getting. good. I like that. Yeah. It's very cool. Yep. In, in my world, uh, probably at the end, the prince would have actually done it, and he was guilty. <laughs> but go. he just wanted to get out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like the, it's like it's the twist of the twist, <laughs> yep. right? It's like it's hey, a thanks. twist. <laughs> hey, thanks. Secretly, I did it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yeah, as he's running out. <laughs> thanks, guys. So, all right, Michael, what do you have for your number five? Uh, so this is my Freaky Friday. So this would just be like a boss encounter where uh, there's some sort of MacGuffin mind thing where like everybody has to rotate their character sheet to the left. The barbarian is now the wizard. The wizard is now the fighter. The fighter is now the cleric. You don't have a chance to like talk to each other, so you don't know what spells you've prepared. Just to make it make it more difficult than it needs to be, and give everybody a chance to play maybe a role they don't normally play. Or you go to cast a spell, and you were a wizard the whole time, and you're like, uh, <laughs> why am I not being able to do this? And you're like, why do I feel so angry? Now? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've we've actually had this one uh, sent in from a listener. Like, yeah, idea somebody else sent it. So yeah. uh, here's my question to you, because this is kind of what we've uh, talked about, like the idea. So if you did this as a DM, and you had the characters switch character sheets, does the person who was originally the wizard, the player who was originally the wizard, having the mind of a wizard, still is he now in the barbarian... You go on rules and he can still cast those spells, making the barbarian maybe who's now in the wizard's body and all scrawny completely useless. Or do you figure out some way around that to give the barbarian character now wizards like able to cast the wizard spells? Yeah, what I do would, you think? I wouldn't allow the the wizard to still cast spells within the barbarian. I mean, again, there's no real rules for this. You're kind of making yeah. it up, but yeah, you're right, yeah. you'd be nerfing one character so bad mm-hmm. it would because the whole point is to have fun. Um, and I want the I want the wizard to be able just to smash things for a minute, and I, I think it'd be funny for the barbarian to cast spells and just to see how it works. So I I, I would just say that it doesn't work that way and make up some yeah. BS reason why. Yeah, cool. That's yeah. We've talked about the the pros and cons of both of those, so it's interesting to hear different people's sides. Of that yeah. So Mitch, um, what's your number five? My number five is an idea for maybe like a dungeon crawl. So I have this idea. Everybody who listens to this pod. Knows how much I love wizards, so here's another wizard idea. Hey, um, wizards, so, best class. Yeah, wizards. Amen <laughs> to that. I love you, man. All right, so uh, my idea is that there's a powerful wizard who is also blind. I I kind of got that idea from the uh, LOL episode we did. Oh with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The blind witch, but yep. So, but he's he's so powerful that it doesn't it doesn't matter. It like he isn't on, like affected in a negative way by it. And so what he has done is he has found this area where this powerful Gorgon or a Medusa-like creature lives. And now he has is basically controlling this Gorgon. And so this Gorgon goes around. She's Whether she's under the spell or is just too afraid to try and escape from this powerful wizard, uh, maybe she has like magical chains on her. That you can you can like notice as PCs and you're like what what's the deal with that and it's keeping her from like leaving but she's going around and any person that enters into this lair of that used to be hers and now is as wizards she's doing what she's always done turning them into statues petrifying them but then this wizard she goes back to the wizard and this wizard you know you got to give him like a creepy voice like show me where your last victims were my dear and like he you know she leads him to them and he uses enchantments to make these petrified people now into living statues to fight to defend this dungeon so 
I thought that would be a pretty sweet dungeon encounter where, in the end, you're going to be having two boss battles or two bosses in one battle. Sure. Uh, whatever way you as the DM would want to play that out, but you just have a dungeon full of petrified people. And that also raises a good moral question, especially if you have a paladin in the par- party. Are you going to destroy these statues or are you going to try and figure out a way to sneak around or stop them from attacking you? Because hopefully you can free them at some point. Yeah, so sure. that was my that was my number five idea. I thought that was pretty sweet. I think of the the witch from the Chronicles of Narnia turning people to stone statues, mm-hmm. but these are actually like they actually still can they move. Start They're fighting, not just yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Especially if you like see a friend of yours who was an NPC that you're like fighting against now. Yeah. It's like yeah, what oh, do you do? Shoot, what do we do now? Yeah, are we gonna kill him or like is there any chance like? I think if it's just some random person, it'd be way easier for them to be like, yeah, we, we kill it. But if you throw in an NPC who's been with you the whole time into the stone statue now, it's like, oh, no. Yeah. What I'm do sh- we do now? I'm sure you guys can relate to this, but that's one of my favorite things as a DM to do is to present the players even, you know, forget the whole, oh, he's a paladin. He's got to deal with this. But presenting the players with a moral decision that's not an easy one, that's something that they're really going to yeah. have to struggle with. Like, oh, we're not. We have to think about this. We're, it's not just hack and slash right now. I love doing oh, no, that. Absolutely. Yeah. That honestly is probably my favorite thing as well. Is I like to put players in situations where there is no good answer. There's only the best answer at this moment. And that there's truly consequences that happen further down the road where you may have to. What happens if during the battle one of the PCs gets turned? And then do you actually have to yeah, take out do? another PC? Not even an NPC, but a PC at the, the table that you win, but you have to kill that character to do so. Yeah, yeah, or or what? Yeah, even like the wizard has to like come and like enchant that that player. So do we leave him here, or do we have to drag him along to protect him from this wizard? Now, what do we do? Yeah, yeah. I love I love doing that. And like you said, not like sometimes there's not a good answer, and I like seeing where my players go with it. And it's not a lot of times it's not where I thought oh, it was going to go. No, of course, and not. that's the best part of it. And I I love that. It's so fun. Well, the other thing I thought too is if they kill the the, the gorgon. And then all these statues come back to life. They now have hundreds, maybe thousands of people that they have to take care of. Maybe some of them, you know, they're a thousand years old. They have no family. Like, do you take care of them? Do you set them up? And, you know, it could just be an interesting situation. Like, what do you do with these people now? Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> interesting to watch them try and adjust if they are like a thousand year olds. Like, and oh no. And maybe you just have the Gorgon be that boss battle because maybe then all of them turn. And now this wizard is not that part of a battle because you have a hundred people going. Yeah, right. 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 They're all like, they're like, I remember seeing you do this to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. again, my, very typical. I, I'm kind of known to be kind of a, a, and I say a mean DM. Like, again, I can play with uh, people's uh, perceptions. So you kill the Gorgon, all these statues come to life, and they were all terrible people, and they are actually Ooh. bad guys themselves. Now that they're free, they're like an invading <laughs> army that she stopped, and she was actually kind of a good guy in a way. Mm. Yeah, or even maybe henchmen of the wizards who said, I pledge my allegiance to you or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have your wizard try to quick do a resurrect spell on that's the Gorgon like, to bring them all That's back. one of the biggest uh, player oh-crap moments. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. a good idea. All right, uh, Chris, what's your number five? All right, my number five involves a wizard as well, but it's a disgruntled wizard who's never gotten the fame that he's quite wanted or thought he's deserved um, because he's always been like second in his class or somebody's always done something and come in right after him and been like, oh, by the way, look at what I did. And it's just that next step better than uh, what that wizard did. And so he he finds the city, kind of a, a 
a smaller, medium-sized city, and he visits it, he inhabits there for a little while, and slowly but surely, people start falling asleep, like going into a really, really deep sleep. It's not just a normal sleep spell. It's like people are going into like a coma and not coming out, uh, whether it's like little groups or one by one or, or whatever. And it gets down to one person that's left in the city. There's no more witnesses. This wizard kills this guy and then lifts the spell from everybody. And he's like, look what I did. I was able to free your whole city trying to get the recognition that he finally deserves, but it was something that he crafted the whole time. And so hmm. you as players might be able to like stop this, or you might afterwards be like, okay, something quite isn't quite right about what just happened. And so it's now your quest to try and figure out what really did go on. And you, you start to unravel this. It's like, okay, things aren't lining up. And you start learning more about this wizard's background. And be like, okay, he's always been second rate at what he's been doing. And then you find out that he was actually the one that did it. And so now you have a whole city that's like pissed at this guy who's always been second rate at being a wizard. And what happens after that? You can leave you can leave that up to your, your players at that point in that, time. That's like a super villain origin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, it's also the plot from The Incredibles. Is it? Um, I've never seen The Incredibles. You've I've never, never seen, seen The Incredibles? No, I, I haven't seen The Incredibles. What, what was, the, was it? Was it Synergy? Or that was the I don't kid's know. Name? It's been a long time for me. I know they're making a second one, so I'll eventually have to go yeah. back and watch it. But yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Again, I also use a lot of movie inspiration if you guys haven't caught on to that yet. Uh, but in that movie, basically, there's a guy who wants to be a superhero and no one lets him. So he creates something that kills all or hurts all the other super villains so that he can then beat it. Okay. So he becomes the villain and like so basically he's trying to be a hero, but he becomes a villain to do so. Yeah. 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 Which again, it made billions of dollars. So it's a good sure. idea. <laughs> right, <you>. right. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I uh another twist for one of the ideas. I feel like obviously the title of this episode is Creation Inspiration number three, but I feel like the sub title is it's a twist yeah right right. (laughs) we have so many twists it's a twist all right uh we're moving on to number four michael share us your number four so in this case there is a prominent figure could be political could be spiritual could be like a monarch and they have been getting threats or actual assassination attempts but they have to do something it could be a speech it could be coronation whatever they're going to be in a very prominent place and the pcs are hired to basically be protection so they have to set up the security. They have to make sure that you know, the assassins don't get in. So you have sort of a planning phase of where you're going to be, uh, you know, who's going to be here and setting up the different people. So that, that, that could be like a meta game that we do. And then the actual role playing out as the assassins come in, fighting out the different battles. Yeah, that'd be cool. It gives you kind of like the, like if you were to draw out a city map, it kind of gives you the, the bird's eye view of, all right, we're going to set up this many guys here, this many guys here. It almost turns into like a, uh, like those turn-based strategy games where you have to set up everything and then it, the battle ensues and everything kind of unfolds yeah. from there. You know, that, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. My number four is you play a pirate campaign. Uh, I've done this before. It's a lot of fun. Most people oh. love. Yeah, most people <laughs> love pirates. Most people would love the chance to play as a yeah. pirate. Uh, but the twist that I would put on this campaign twist uh, is that you would, and this is something for people who are our listeners who are have been DMs for a while and have created their own world. But uh, your pirate campaign would uh, take place, and you would be going around and raiding, pillaging places that you have already played in in previous campaigns, and maybe at the same time and you could have some like run-ins with NPCs you've ha- already interacted with cameos. I we we've talked about it before but cameos are 
uh, such a fun thing, uh, whether you're playing or DMing. Having a pirate campaign, but going to familiar places and letting your players, uh, almost in the sense of like you were saying with the the pyro guild, like yeah. giving them a chance to kind of be that chaotic in the world and yeah. run amok a little yeah. bit. It's like, so first you let them burn the town and then you let them pillage <laughs> yeah, the town. Right. Maybe, maybe you go and pillage the town that the guild is in and you have a big battle between the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, all right, my number four is uh, there's a princess who is kidnapped and taken hostage by an unknown powerful magic wielder. And you don't know why. You don't know who this magic wielder is. You have to start inquiring around who did she know? You know, who had she been interacting with? Who does the king know? All of this, that, and the other things. So you kind of have that, once again, mystery element where you're trying to figure things out. So all the signs that you see point to a, an abduction. But once you start, once you find her, once you figure out where she's went, she's actually fine. She's just, she's just, it's she's fine. It's a twist, right? Uh, so quizzically, you're kind of like, like, what, what the heck are you doing? She's like in a cave or in a, like an old castle or something like that. Just looks fine. Whatever. Just hanging out there. But what you don't know about her and what she may be provoked into revealing too early is that she's secretly left the castle in the way that she did. It looked like she was being abducted so that she could prov- or so that she could follow the forbidden magic of the realm of necromancy. And so she wants to become this powerful witch necromancer who is raising up an army. And so you've kind of made her play her hand early. And so now she's got to try and kill you so that she can keep going through uh, with her plan to raise a necromancer army to take over her father's kingdom or take over the world or whatever it is that she wants to do at that time. Oh, and what if uh, I mean, you could have players in that campaign be like in service to the king? And so now, moral dilemma again: yeah. Do you kill? <laughs> what do you What do you do? Like yeah. this is the princess still. Like even if she's messing around with dark magic, like it's still the princess. Yep. You could get put to death for this. How's right. the ki- capital offense to touch? Yeah, her yeah. yeah. Well, how do you yeah, forget how do you, killing to attack? Like, yeah, if you do kill her, how do you prove that she was actually the one doing it? Like, how do you bring that she back? She's mauled to, by a bear. We found. Yeah, it we, we just. I, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> was are, this bear are, carrying a sword? Yeah, these, are, these, are, sword are, these are sword marks. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Dire bear. Uh, it was a dire bear. Yeah, don't ask. Dire bear. Don't ask. But again, the the Michael twist on that would be that. Once uh, once they've defeated the princess and they've dealt with that moral quandary and they maybe even went back to the capital and they were convicted of, of you know, was it patricide or whatever the correct term is yeah, for yeah. killing a princess. Um, turns out that she actually wanted to be killed because that was the last step of the ritual that turned her into a lich. Yeah, there we go. And so they're in jail for like a year. You flash forward and then like they come and let you out. And they're like, we need you. Again. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you need yeah. to find the phylactery uh, of this. Of this <laughs> what do you think it could be? <laughs> yeah. I just imagine like the BA player, uh, the character, the player who's created the BA character in your group, just coming back to the king with like the princess, she's dead, just dropping her at the feet of the king and just being like, resurrect her. She likes that kind of stuff. And turn around and walking out, <laughs> or at least trying. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I like that. Hashtag Michael twist. Yeah, right. <laughs> there we go. Oh, gosh. All right, Michael, moving on to our number, number three. Number Here we go. It's starting to get all right. Um, so this is what I call impending doom. So the characters would be in a village or town, somewhere city, and um, depending on what level, because I like to start characters at low level, even zero level. So I, I'm, I imagine this being a village, it could be a city, and um, maybe like the town idiot, uh, you know, someone's a little special, a uh, crazy old guy in the forest. He starts talking about something's going to happen. He, you know, he has all these portents of uh, danger and impending doom. And it gets to the point where 
the village wants him gone because he's just like scaring people and it's just it, you know they decide they've had enough and then not long after he leaves these things start to come true where they're like you know it may not be like obvious the first time uh, so you'd have to come up ahead of time like three or four things that are the, these uh, these portents you know fish turning up dead in the well frogs falling from the sky you know whatever biblical whatever you want it to be so they realize like wow this guy something must have touched him to give him this insight so then the PCs would actually have to go out look for him find him and then get through the crazy to find out what actually is happening and if you were doing like a higher level campaign you could even do multiple of them you know maybe two or three get put to death for being crazy but there's always one more that that kind of awakens this way, which would be a, which would be a hint that there's really something happening. That's really cool. Really cool. I almost did one like that, but I was like, I for some reason I have a feeling something something must have touched <laughs> me and says somebody's gonna do Ew. that one. So I was like, I'm just not. I'm not gonna do that. So apparently I'm the crazy that's guy a, now. That's a story yeah. in itself. <laughs> yeah, right? So I'm glad I didn't do that because that'd be really weird to have two of them basically almost doing the same thing. So. I'm, that I didn't do that. Thanks for- <laughs> Honestly, out of out of thirty, I'm surprised we don't have more that are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we've been surprised that it hasn't happened. Yeah, it's, and it's good. And if it does, it does, and we'll laugh about yeah, it. Yeah, well, it does, and I'm sure it will at some point. Yeah. But so, um, all right, Mitch, what's yours? So my number three uh, comes from directly from the lore of uh, my world uh, itself that I've created. I've gotten really into working on the pantheon of gods and how. Uh, they relate to each other in my world and taking stuff uh, that's SRD and taking the stuff I like, changing it up. Like I'm basically I'm writing a whole book on it and I've got quite it. Like I've, I think I got about 200 pages already and I'm not even close to finished. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that being said, so this is something that I came up with. Everybody knows the like the Greek mythology behind Titans. Titans created the gods. The gods uh, overthrew the Titans, imprisoned them, all that good stuff. But I I. And I'm I'm positive I'm not the first one to think about this. In fact, as I was thinking about this, I'm pretty sure um, Titans in the D and D universe are lower than gods. I am almost positive they are. But uh, so my idea that I created in my world is that the Titans were created by the gods. And so what the Titans are, they are these creations of the gods that were created that are bound to whatever realm the number of gods who created them. Uh, they're bound to the realm that they were created in to protect that realm. And a big thing in my my world, my universe, is gods are always at battle with each other. And so before the Titans were created, it would be very easy for other gods that were enemy gods to get into other gods' realms and take stuff or kill other gods or whatever it was. So they all the gods kind of came together, the good gods came together and came out, we need to create, we need to stop evil gods from getting in here they created the titans these powerful beings they're way more powerful than any of the gods because they've all put power into them and stuff but they serve the gods loyally and they all they all their their only purpose is to protect the gods and protect the realm that they're bound to and so then of course the evil gods took that idea and then created these uh, these abomination kind of titans to protect their realms Mm. but if that's like i i thought that was a pretty cool piece of lore so if that's something that inspires you as a listener like run with that create have the gods create the titans for whatever purpose it is that uh, you wish them to have so that was that was my idea with that cool my number three is there's a lycanthrope of whatever kind you want uh has begun to harness his power so a lot of you know in, in in the world that i do and a lot of the things that i think about when i think of lycanthropes is they 
can't really control when they shapeshift and they just they all of a sudden just do it and they go they go crazy and they do all this terrible things to a lot of different people who probably didn't deserve to be killed. And so you have this one lycanthrope who spends a lot of time, he, he hates his curse, absolutely detests it, and yet he's trying to harness the power of it so that he can begin to think. And, and what it, the whole reason that he's beginning to, to do this is he wants to change other people. He wants to be able to control other people into becoming lycanthropes with him so he can create this whole lycanthrope army of whatever kind of lycanthrope he is. But the reason he's doing that is not just to create an army that's going to go out and take over the world or whatever. It's to find that one lycanthrope. He's going to send these guys all out to find that one that turned him into a lycanthrope so that he can kill hmm. that one guy that turned him into a lycanthrope. And then at the end, he secretly hates all of this whole lycanthropy idea. And so he's going to have some type of way that all of these lycanthropes that he's changed to be banished or some way to have them all be cured and return back to normal life. But the whole reason that he's trying to harness his power is so that he can kill that one guy who ended up turning into a lycanthrope mm. the whole time. And so you could have some of your players who were turned into lycanthropes who have to now serve this guy and try and find the, the one guy that changed him. Or one of your players could be the lycanthrope who is turning other people. And that's how you meet for the first time is like, hey, you got bit by this guy. And now you're turning into a lycanthrope and you're learning how to be able to control your power as a lycanthrope. To harness it to find this guy and and give it to him, I guess. And or life, I know. mean, we talked about this on our villains episode, but I'm talking about a villain that isn't a hundred percent the evil guy, like the classic. He's all evil and like kind of <laughs> understand like his his motives, uh, and so you you could have that be the villain of the campaign, and whether you find out from him or find out from other means what he's doing, you, your characters might all of a sudden like have a little bit of compassion towards him, or even like. I understand where he's coming from, but does that mean that they don't kill them? Right. And that's, I really like that one, actually. I think there's a lot of depth to that. If you sort of co-opt the, uh, some of the vampire mythology, that if you kill the alpha, then all the others are free. So that makes sense. He, he would have to make sure that he's the only one that turns all the others so that he's the alpha with the understanding that once he kills the alpha that made him, then he will let the guys kill him. And then everyone else is like, his plan is to make everybody free. But then within that, you could have some pockets of people like, I kind of like being a werewolf. Yeah, so and how so do you they handle that? Yeah, they, so they kind of help him to a point, but then they just capture him, lock him in a cave somewhere so that he can't die because they want to be werewolves. So you could take that a lot of different ways depending on what the characters like to do and, and just what happens in the game. Like if you put them in a battle, you expect them to win, but they lose. Okay, now they're, they get turned into lathercopes and you pretend like that was the plan all along. So now what do you do? I kind of think, um, thinking back on this idea, I think of uh, Dracula Untold, the story, where he mm-hmm. makes his own army. Good movie. Of, yeah, very good movie. I loved it. Where he makes his own vampire army. And that kind of idea, at the end, they're kind of like, well, we don't want to be changed back from vampires. And they start to turn on him, you know, and he's made the big storm, and then he releases it, and all of the other, you know, guys that don't want to be turned back from vampires all are dead. So mm-hmm. I like that idea a lot of making that, you know, alpha idea of the lycanthrope, too. All right, number two, Michael, what do you have? All right, um, so this one, um, I don't have a cool name for it, right. <laughs> but essentially the uh, the PCs would go out on a minor mission, be like a, like a one-session mini campaign. Just you, it doesn't really matter what it is. They go off, they fight something in a cave, and they win. Uh, but when they come back to town, the village or city that they're from, no one knows who they are. 
Like they don't they don't attack them outright, but they just like the people that they've known forever, maybe family members or NPCs, contacts. They treat them like strangers, and they don't know what happened. And so they would have to retrace their step back to that cave, and there was something in there, you know, something they did. There was a magical artifact or something that they'd have to figure out why everyone seems to have forgotten. Yeah, you could like the first person they could see could be the gatekeeper who they've known for a long time, know him on a first name basis. Show me your papers. Oh, Bill, you know me. Come on, it's me. Like I don't know. Yeah, like right away. Yeah. Oh man, like I don't, and I don't know if you had like a specific idea of what the mystery behind that is, but if they had been like erased from the timeline or whatever it was like they go back to their wife who's married to another person or whatever it is or husband yeah, is could, yeah like and so she screams when he enters in the house maybe it's same key and everything how'd you get in here yeah sneaks up behind her gives her a hug and she's like uh what she freaks out you know comes after him with a butcher knife or something like that that would be that would be crazy. Oh, and what if, what if, I mean, what if you got back and you see that your family is better off without you? Yeah. What's that twist in too? Yeah. And we like twists. It's a wonderful we? life. I, that's yeah. why I'll call it. It's the a wonderful life. Right? Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. All right, Mitch, what do you have for your number two? All right, so my number two, uh, once again, I'm sure that this is, I, I know for a fact, I'm not the only person who has thought of this but uh going along with the whole thought of like uh creating gods and everything in your world and getting that mindset you would of course enter into what is your uh world's uh whether it's heaven hell different realms what it heavens hells whatever it is creating a journey to one of those places and so what i have an idea of is having uh players make their characters for a campaign but you're gonna kill them right off first battle don't when we've we've talked about doing this before having villains and stuff like that don't drag it out don't make them be part of a battle in which they they can figure out uh we can't win this one and make them suffer through a two-hour battle make it quick if that is your end goal don't put them through a painful experience but then you reveal that the campaign is not what they thought it was going to be it's a journey into the underworld or even you could do uh heaven or whatever uh it is that your world has in their campaign. But I like the idea of journey to the underworld and maybe trying to get out of the underworld uh, by yeah. this way. And this, I like this because it lets you let your players know the lore of your world without just strictly telling them, but letting them experience it. And that is going to make them remember it a lot more than just some old guy telling them what uh, the underworld of the world is like. Yeah, yeah. We've discussed that on our show as well before uh, about the uh, you're going to die no matter what beginning to a campaign. And, and you have to have a certain group. You, you do. You know, yep. it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. And in some cases, it's better just to tell them you're going to die in the first battle. Have as much fun as you can. Some groups would enjoy that twist. But I think you need to understand your table. Uh, but I kind of like the idea of maybe not even doing it with a battle, but making it a moral dilemma. You know, and again, not not trying to get too real into religion, but, you know, the idea that if suicide damns your mortal soul, but you put them in a situation where they have to go to that place, so they have to kill themselves to get there. Like, you know, I'm going to kill myself so that I can send my soul to hell because I have to get this thing for the greater good. But in doing so, I know that my soul will never come out. Yeah. I think of the show Resurrection. I don't know if you're far enough into this to know this yet. I know you've watched it. I don't know if you're going to still watch it, but they... I, I will. Yeah. It's just kind of lost my interest. But yeah, keep so going. in the show... Resur- spoiler alert if yeah, you're watching, Spoiler alert if you're watching. Skip the next maybe <laughs> minute and a half. Me, yeah, whatever. right. I'm like, uh, in this show, there's this guy that comes along who... He is a returned. Like, the whole premise of the show is people have started showing up from the dead, and they don't know 
why they're coming back or how they're coming back. This one guy comes back who's like, I know how to bring people back. I can bring anybody back you want. And so he does that type of thing. He's like, somebody kill me. Like, just kill me. I can bring back whoever you want. Conveniently enough, somebody's brother just passed away. So he's the guy that shot him. And they were all like, is it working? Is it working? Is it working? And they're like, ah, it's not working. And then they hear a knock at the door. And there is that guy returned again with the brother of mm -hmm. that group. And so it's like, maybe it's something like that, where it's like, you got to travel into the other world to bring somebody back. And that's the only way you can do it too. Spoiler alert, but yeah, it's a pretty big spoiler alert. I'm sorry, Mitch. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Hopefully if you haven't watched it. Resurrection, I love it. I it's go out it's not like it. you're spoiling like something like Walking Dead or something, yeah, which or, I'm caught up on anyway, so it wouldn't matter. But. Plot twist, Dumbledore dies. I'm 12 pages was, away from that. All right. How do you know you're 12 oh, pages away gosh. from that? Somebody did spoil that for me back really? when I was like in high school. Well, like, somebody <laughs> ruined, what was the movie where Book of Eli? Somebody spoiled that for uh, me that he was blind. I was like, I don't even need to watch the movie anymore. Way to go. Thanks a lot, uh, do you remember We watched that movie with one of our professors and college and it got to that point where you get the reveal that he's blind in that movie didn't he miss it well we like we like and this guy our professor like freaks out like he's so excitable and freaks out about the little thing so it shows it reveals and like we all just look at him and he's just like staring at the screen just staring at it and we're like the guy's blind and he's just what? <laughs> yeah. Starts. I remember that. Oh, I was like, he stuff. totally just kind of like missed the biggest reveal. Like it shows the Bible. We just had about and... seven spoilers in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Chris, yeah. what's your number two? My number two is going back to the sinkhole theme of of the the ship, but this is actually on land now. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of D and D lore has the the underworld, the the underdark, or whatever whatever you want to call it in your world. And the underdark is now going to meet the surface. Uh, and something from the Underdark are these anthropomorphic ant people, or you just have ant people in general, whoever you want to create, uh, who their Crab means... people. What's that? Never mind. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> their means of warfare is they just, they ruin the structure underneath the city, and a whole city will just collapse into the ground. Hmm. And everybody is just gone in a matter of seconds. You can't see it coming, you don't know where it's going to happen, but rumors start to spread around the world of these ant people and this is what they're doing they're just devastating whole cities and capitals and nations in one fell swoop and so you as adventurers whether you're part of the king's guard or mercenaries or whatever are hired to go and find out you know because if people have seen ants before if in your world they know that there's the queen and if you kill the queen think you know everything kind of goes haywire so your goal is to go into this underground world you find a ruined city and you start going through the tunnels to find this queen ant who's controlling all of these other Ant people who are doing all of her dirty work and stuff like that. So that was my number two I like idea. That one that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that'd be a cool. Yeah. So it's like you can't see it coming at all, and it's just all of a sudden like you're just making bread as a baker, and yeah. next thing you know, you're in the bottom of a cavern, either being dragged off or you just die. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's one character in your group that like has like all this candy in his backpack and like they're just like how do they keep finding us yeah right right it's just yeah secretly it's this guy's fault he's like going from city to city to city and they're they just keep chasing on attacking the billy <laughs> yeah right or uh, you could even have somebody who survived it and is now leading you into uh, as an npc leading you into the tunnels to find this thing so that's cool yeah all, all right. right michael number one number one so give it to us one all right this is called no more heroes Ooh, okay i like it and this would be a situation where you start off a new game and you would have your PC or your players create PCs and NPCs. 
So you would have like, you know, we're, we're creating a village, you know, here's your character, but also create two other NPCs that are just in the village just to kind of flesh them out. And then you play out the first session where the PCs go off and again, they have a little mission. It doesn't really matter what it is. They go out and they kill somebody. Well, they come back to town and they're celebrating in the village. Everybody goes to sleep. Next morning, the heroes are gone. Like all their things are still there. Their armors are there, their weapons are there, everything. But those people are actually gone. And essentially something has happened where any leveled player in their character in the world is gone. So you almost have like an arms race where there's like a plus three magic sword over there that just Billy Bob Farmer picks up and now he has it. And then obviously the monsters in the world realize there's no adventurers, so they're going to start creeping out. So you have a bunch of like farmers trying to defend themselves from the creatures that the adventurers normally would do, but they have all these powerful weapons to kind of offset the fact that they're zero level commoners. But I really like the role play aspect of that is you're playing a commoner who suddenly has a plus three Vorpal sword. What do you do with that? Yeah, right. How do you use this? Yeah. Yeah. For good or for evil. Yeah, right. (laughs) Am I going to cut my own arm off using this? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably, but you'll learn. (laughs) You'll you'll pick it up quick. Yeah, that's, uh, I just imagine you have people who would take it up. I have to do this. Like, this is not what I would want. But then you'd have people who would absolutely, like you were saying, now's my time to be in power. Yeah power hungry they've never actually had that opportunity now they do and it's that almost is even more of a struggle than here come the monsters and then you mix the two together and it's like we got to deal with this while these monsters are coming at us and yeah uh, a very chaotic campaign that i imagine would have quite a bit of encounters but has such a great role-playing aspect to it that would yeah. be, oh, I would love to do, like, play in something like that and be able to, like, play through something like that. Yeah. All right, Mitch, what's your number one? My number one is called A Whale of a Campaign, and you guys can probably already guess where this is going. <laughs> uh, but you start off your campaign, and your characters are adventurers uh, on a ship, and yeah, maybe you describe where they're going, but uh, their ship is swallowed up. You see this... Uh, almost this mountain-sized thing just rising out of the water, and it's it's a whale that is like bigger than you. You describe it to your players, and you're like, you've never seen anything this big. And maybe, maybe I actually like this idea better. Maybe what you your players see is you start off the campaign by the sailors on the ship start screaming giant squid, and like they're throwing like spears at this giant squid uh, next to you. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's a giant squid first encounter. This is crazy. And then this whale pops up and it's going after the squid (laughs) to just eat the squid and your ship's just in the way. And so this campaign would be inside of this whale that is ginormous. And I imagine this whale has swallowed many things just from going after giant squids or whatever his food source is. And so there are like, there's like coral built up inside of him and like all this kind of Got his own uh, ecosystem. That, yeah, got his own them, ecosystem yeah. where Kuatoa live and things like that. And these are your towns that you play in. Uh, these are the people that now you have to interact with or you fight with, whatever it is. But the campaign could be long or short, but it's getting out. How do we get out of this whale? I can think of three ways. <laughs> yeah. One of which would be my, I want to go that way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I would love to DM that kind of a campaign. Uh, shout out to Richard Howard on this one because that was definitely what I got from that. But yep. I think uh, sometime I will do that one. I like that idea a lot. A campaign, just trying to escape, having to interact with creatures and enemies that you wouldn't normally interact with uh, in an environment you normally would not be in. So. Yeah. Hmm. 
And there, you could do some really interesting things with that. Uh, you know, you could have like a religious religion grow from that. Like oh yeah, Koatoa like worship this whale as a god, so they don't want you to hurt it. Where you're trying to think, well, you know, let's, let's make our way to the heart. We'll kill the thing. Uh, you could have entire populations that were born inside there, and they don't believe they're inside of a whale. Yeah, they don't know crazy. anything. This is Obviously, all they know. Whale. Yeah, uh, this is this is you know it's the Plato's cave. Yeah, you know, yeah over right. again, like you have no idea. So yeah, I I could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I like uh, I yeah. like that aspect of having people inside who don't don't believe there's like you would be maybe like they that's your first encounter walking into town saying oh we we came in from the outside the whale swallowed us and they're like they're like blasphemy yeah <laughs> right, know, like right. drown them yeah <laughs> drown them <laughs> and then what do they drown them in uh, oh. all right. Uh, I got my number one now. So I kind of got this idea. Have you guys ever seen the movie The Tall Man? Have you seen mm-hmm. this movie? It was uh, kind of like a, a horror thriller type movie. Jessica Biel was the director of it, so it was awful. <laughs> but the premise of the movie was was cool. Pretty premise. pretty interesting. Uh, so you are part of a city who, for whatever reason, the king keeps asking for a child a month, a child a month, a child a month. Doesn't tell you why, and the child is never seen again. And the people have just always lived in fear because the king is living in fear. And so there's just this regime going on that the king is is putting fear into his people to give him a child a month. They don't know why. They don't know what for. Then there's the king who is also being pressured into being given a child, one child a month. He doesn't know why. He gives the people over this child and he never sees him again. So in this movie, The Tall Man, that's kind of what's going on. There's a city where kids are kidnapped. This woman who is played by Jessica Biel is giving over child to this this tall man is what he's called and the child is never seen again she doesn't know where it goes people don't know where it goes and in the movie what happens is they give them over to get them out of this kind of terrible town living situation it's a lot of like the kids are being abused and this and the other thing so they're being given a better life being adopted by a family in a different country that's not so much the case in this one the the people that are taking them are the secret society who are trying to take over the world by brainwashing these children and getting them into places of power around the nations of the world, into their like courtrooms or into their kingdoms and into their their kingships or whatever. And these people, you can be NPCs within this city that are starting to figure out, okay, this is not right. We can't handle this anymore. We can't handle people. We can't handle our own children. You could be people that have had their children taken and are trying to fight back and be like, all right, give us give us our kids back. We. We're sick of having our kids stolen. So, you know, you can imagine if this has been going on for 10 years, that's 120 kids if you're playing a 12-month campaign or a 12-month a year. It's 120 kids that have been gone from the city. So you have 120 people. Sure, five of your players could be those people's parents who are trying to figure this out, and they start unraveling this whole mystery that's been going on for years and years it's and like years and years. It's a global conspiracy. Yeah, it's a global conspiracy going on. And, and now these like people who are like, just wanting their kids back, find themselves in this massive global conspiracy huh. to try and bring down this regime that's been brainwashing these children for years and getting them into these these powerful societies. And so then you run across people who you've known in the past, like their kids that are now like, oh, shoot, what do we do with these people? They've been totally brainwashed for 10 years now, some of them, you know, and what do we do with those people, those kids now that come back? I like the idea, too, of uh, depending on how much you want the mystery to be the game and how much you just want the the conflict. Uh, one of your players could be like a 50-year-old year man, like make him old. And, you know, basically he's like, they've tried this before. 
and I was one of those kids. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. And nobody's believed him until now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I I love any kind of like conspiracy story. That'd be a sweet thing to be a part of in a campaign. Yeah. 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 If you didn't want to make a PC, you could always make them an NPC. That way, you don't know they're telling the truth. They could be crazy. Yeah. So that's our top tens. Uh, for you, you, normally you guys get twenty top ten great ideas. This week we gave you thirty. So hopefully you guys are excited about that. So that's that's our top tens. We hope that you enjoyed it. We're going to move on to our mailbag of holding. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we're going to say we're going to hand over Michael to the tall man. Before we do that, <laughs> <No>! <laughs> before, it's okay. You're moving on to a better life. Yeah. Right. Oh, You'll right. be okay. You'll just be brainwashed. Yes! <laughs> you will like it. We trust you. <laughs> I mean, we, we trust us. <laughs> but before we do that, Michael, any last things you want to say to our listeners? Any goodbyes? Uh, just uh, again, thank you guys very much for having me Thanks on. Thanks for being um, on. Uh, you know, again, uh, our goal of our our website and podcast is to get more people into the hobby. And I've had now two different groups tell me that I have also helped get them inspired into podcasting. So I'm glad you guys are having fun. It, you guys are doing very well successfully. The number of iTunes reviews you're getting and followers. So um, I'm I'm happy to see it. Congratulations, and uh, I wish you nothing but the most success in the world for this. Thank yeah. you, and uh, we appreciate all that you do, and thank you for inspiring us. So yeah, we for sure. really do appreciate it. All right, so uh, let's move on with that to the mailbag of holding. They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Welcome to another segment of the mailbag of holding, the place where we share ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. Uh, This week for our Mailbag of Holding episode, this comes directly from our forums, actually. Uh, Chris, where do they go uh, if they want to join in on the awesome conversation of our forums? Yeah, you can go to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net. That's where we've been hanging out with a bunch of people. And as of right now, I think I have it pulled up. We have like 200 and some posts already in the past week. It's going well. 230 total posts. We just opened it up and it's going really well. But uh, on there, our buddy Nerd Billy shared a story uh, about one of his campaign nights, and I thought this was too good not to share. Yeah. He says, yep. uh, Well, I tried to introduce a stop like NPC to the group in our last session. And he goes on. <laughs> I learned a lesson about my players. As they boiled him alive in a massive pot of stew, <laughs> turns out if an NPC can't give them the information they want, they resort to violence. <laughs> I think I may put a similar NPC in at some point in the future and make them able to beat them down <laughs> just to humble them a little bit. <laughs> Smiley face. I thought that was pretty awesome. It's good to hear people are taking ideas from us and using them, and sometimes it's good to hear that they fail horribly because it's just, funny. Isn't that oh, the gosh. way that things work, though? It's like something that worked in our group so well for Stomp. Oh, yeah. It's like... You can take ideas, and they might work, or they might not work, but still make amazing stories. Like, I can only imagine that, like, looking back five years from now, when they're like, hey, remember that NPC I tried to, to bring in? They're like, oh, yeah, the one we boiled alive? Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Oh, that'll make like really excited about? <laughs> that'll make such a good, yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. Like, dude, I'm so excited for this, like, I've heard this work really well for somebody. And then as a DM, you know, sometimes players don't always like to yep. do what you want to do. But you just kind of have to roll with the punches every Each once in group a while. is different, yep. and every now and then, each group is the same, and then they just love to mess the DM up. So. <laughs> and in this case, it was making Goblin Stew out yep. of, out of <laughs> a stomp-ass character. So now he's going to have to make him an ogre or something yeah, that right. can beat them down. Well, they could always raise him from the dead, I guess. They could. <laughs> and then boil him and alive And then boil again. him again. Yeah, I mean, he could try oh, that. Oh, gosh. Thanks, Nerd Billy, for that awesome post on our forums. Join us on our forums. 
uh, for more conversation. It's awesome over there. That is all that we have for you today for this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. We want to thank uh, Michael for coming on this week and showing us his magic synergy and how to create stories based off of just different packs of magic's cards. You can do it with all sorts of different ones we learned. I mean, we had, what, cons of Tarkir yeah, cards, Tarkir. and he had Magic 2015, and yeah. you can do it with just all sorts of different cards. And so we just want to thank him for coming on and showing us how to do that. And thank also you, bringing, yeah, thank you, Michael, and for bringing his own top 10. So you guys were treated to 30 top 10s this week instead of the yeah. regular 20. So use those, stock them away, put them in your binders, whatever you want to do to make sure that you remember them. Hopefully there's something that you found that was like the food mage or the level 20 commoner coming out of this. I'm wondering what the Giant gelatinous cube! Yeah, right, right. Probably. That's probably what it's going to be. I'm, I'm trying to keep it. Keep, yeah. keep that 10 being right, right. talk of the town. Right. Uh, so we have a few places that you can reach us if you want to share with us, whether you use the giant gelatinous cubes or whatever it is that you want to share with us. You can reach us at our email, dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. We've had a lot of conversations with you there. We love hearing your stories through that. You can also find us on iTunes. We would love it if you would give us a five-star review. It helps other people get to know about you. The more reviews we have, the better people uh, view our podcast. And so we just want to make this, this community keep growing because a lot of you have grown and prospered from being part of this community. Also, you can find us on Stitcher. We've been on there for a couple of months now. Mitch, where else can they find us? Uh, follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DMs block. And like our Facebook page. Both of those will have updates on what we're doing and just all around great DM stuff. Yeah. Uh, also, if you are interested in supporting us as a podcast, you like what we do, and you want to help us to get better. More than emailing and saying thanks. Yeah, consider going on to our Patreon page. Yep. Chris, what's that link? Yep, it's patreon.com slash dungeonmastersblock. And because we love you guys, and especially uh, when you guys surround us and support us, we wanted to offer you guys, if you support us on Patreon, some awesome deals that are available to you. So Chris, tell them what it, they get with the levels. Yep, yep, there's three different levels. The first one is Bronze Dragon, and for $1 per month, you will get uh, a personal recorded thank you, and it will be sent directly to your email, as well as having it played at the end of one of our episodes. We got one, we coming, got one up. coming up today. We will also get access, some of you probably saw our bonus pods that were on our website. Uh, you will also get access to all of our bonus pods for free, and we're going to try and come out with those once a month. So that everybody. means you jump on, you give $1 on Patreon, you're getting all the bonus pods that we put out there for that $1 a month. It's a great deal. Yep. If you want to give more, things are going to happen that are even better. Yep. Speaking of, Silver Dragon level of Patreon membership if you jump onto our forums, there's a Patreon-only forum, and you, with a silver or higher Patreon-level membership, will be able to access those forums and to give insight and input onto upcoming episodes and tell us what you want to hear, uh, give ideas for episodes, and we take you guys very seriously, for especially the ones of you who are going to be silver and gold dragons, because yeah. we fear silver and gold yeah. dragons. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even, though, even though they're nice, they're powerful. Yeah, so. yeah. Jump on our forums, become a silver or gold dragon. Chris, gold dragon, what do they get? Yeah, uh, for gold dragon, it's $10 per month. You get all of the benefits from bronze and silver dragon level packages. You will also be invited to a once a month Google Plus Hangout to discuss anything and everything pertaining to Dungeon Masters. So we'll actually get to sit down and talk with you face to face. We'll block out some time, no pun intended for Dungeon Masters, <laughs> but we'll block out some time uh, to focus specifically on you guys as the Dungeon Masters, just talk about stories and questions and whatever it is you have. So if you wanna, if you're willing to donate $10 a month, we would love to have you a part of those. So we have a shout out, a special shout out to our first 
Patreon member who jumped right into the Gold Dragon Pack package. It is Dungeon, Dungeon Master, Master Main, Main Prize. Prize. Yeah, Woo! you are awesome. Thanks, Thank you man. so much for joining our Patreon. We are so excited. I, I saw this coming in the email and I was like, man, somebody just donated $10. They're going hard. Yeah. Like, first one going big. Thanks, DM Main yeah, Prize. He's, so he's already given input on that Silver Dragon. Yep gold dragon level on the yep. forums and we're taking every single word he says seriously yep. we love him thank you once again dma prize you're awesome you are extremely awesome all right we're gonna end out the episode now we want to thank you once again for listening to the dungeon master's block the place where we focus on the dungeon master the most important person in the game the only person capable of playing god killing characters and lowering the egos of all the players at the table have a good night everyone keep on dungeon mastering Goodbye.